The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! What do you need, Doc? What's up? Get in the car. We gotta, we gotta go, we gotta go back to the, in time. Well, I, I don't think that's possible. I... No, it's possible. I, I was in the bathroom. I was, I fell. I was in the bathroom, and now we can go back in time. What? Party. I mean, you're a podiatrist. You're, you're not a, you're not a scientist, Doctor. We're gonna go back to the beginning of 2017. I'm, well, we can go back in our minds. Is that what you no, want? No, no, what no. You... Like, we're actually going to travel back. See, what I want to do is go back to be- the beginning of 2017 because historians have been arguing about the significance of 2017 for for a long time, and I just really need to go back and, and investigate that and really spy on a couple people. But that's really, like, a lesser thing. It's mostly, like, for historical reasons. Okay. I want to go back to the beginning of 2017. Hey, do you have like a, um, do you have like a nanny cam? No. Do you... How about a GoPro? <laughs> yeah, I got I got one of those. Do you okay, need... there's a dog okay, that lives at this house. I'm gonna need you to put a GoPro on the dog. And okay, I'm gonna also right. need you not to ask any follow-up questions. This really sounds like it's the beginning of a YouTube sensation. Exactly how are we getting back in time? We're going to get in this car and we're going to break the speed limit. And then that'll send oh. us back in time. And I really need you to, to actually also see if you have any knowledge of breaking and entering laws in the, <laughs> in the Southern California area. I, I just, I'd like to be aware Doc, and can I, first of all, can I stop calling you Doc? Because, like, I know you insisted on it, Grandpa, but, like, I I get that you, I feel like you're getting me to break into this car, telling me that it's going to go back in time, and we're just stealing a car. How many people does it take before it's a conspiracy is what I want to (laughs) know. We're going back in time, Marty. Yes, Grandpa, I'll, 
I'll pull the car around. <laughs> All right. Well, with that rousing intro. Yeah, it was a rousing success. Hey, welcome to the Third Men podcast. Yeah, we're your density. I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. And I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. This is a Jack White history podcast where we're going to be going over some recent history this episode, James. I'm very excited about this. Oh, yes. One could say we've lived through a year, Paul. I <laughs> yeah. think I think many people could say that the year 2017 was, in fact, a full year. Yeah. And what we're going to be doing on this show is we're going to be going over what has happened in that full year, uh, as is tradition on the show. Every year we do a year in review for what releases and musical acts and things happened in the Jack White universe, in the Third Man Records universe, in the Third Man tangential universe, a la your Pokey Lafarges, your Margot Prices, etc. And we're going to be looking back, we're going to be looking back at the great moments yeah the not so great moments i don't know if there's any not so great moments this was a busy year i mean there was no real i mean there was one song there's no album release this year which is different than last year last year we got acoustic recordings but you know even though there was no album release there was a lot going on in the jack white world and we got the announcement of an album release and we got yeah. some, even some detail on that. So there there was a lot that was happening, especially in the Third Man Records universe. So yeah. we're going to detail all that. We're going to get into all of it. There was some of Jack's first official public appearances and performances, you might even say, this year. So really lots to go through. And 2017 is also, James, the, this is the first full year of our podcast yeah. from start to finish. That's right. So we had the podcast running this entire time. And so that's been, you know, that's been fun. Yeah. So if you guys have fallen asleep at the uh, at the Jack White news wheel, yeah, that's what they call it around around these parts. That is what they call that. Yep. We'll be able to catch you up on exactly what's been happening around the Third Man universe. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, <laughs> is there something we should be smelling? I think I smell a fact, Paul. Oh, astounding fact. The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. James, I think I smell a fact is the portion of the show where we expound upon something mm. that we went over in a prior episode. Mm-hmm. And this thing that we are expounding upon today comes to us straight from our third person in spirit every week, Ms. Callie Durga. Callie wrote in about uh, episode 58, Thank You, Jack White, 2017. Mm-hmm. In that episode, we had discussed a record collector and preservationist John Tefteller and how he had found a Sunhouse record from a man who found it in an Appalachian abandoned cabin. Yeah, Kelly uh, Kelly wrote in to tell us uh, to just expand upon that a little bit because as she points out, John Tefteller, James, Mm -hmm. is one of the big record collectors out there along with Chris King and Joe Boussard and was very involved, actually I did not know this, in putting together the music for American Epic. So that's really, really cool. Oh wow, that is pretty awesome. I had no idea when I did that research and found him. I just thought it was some record collector. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting that, that he was used as a resource for the folks put together American Epic. Yeah, that wasn't all that Callie found on that episode, James. She points out that in reference to the same episode where we talked about the resilience 
of football's uh, and sports in general's embracing of Seven Nation Army as a chant. Mm. Uh, she says, uh, while I'm not a Ravens fan because she's not into football, Baltimore just loves Jack in general. And a few years ago when the Ravens went to the Super Bowl, uh, she was driving up to the city one day and came around the curve uh, on the highway and saw one of the LED billboards along the side of the road had a very simple display of a purple background with oh 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 oh, oh, oh in black that's really cool so first of all did not know a billboard like that exists and that's a really kind of interesting crystallization of this notion of sports really just taking that seven nation army ball and just running with it yeah, I had mentioned that uh, the Ravens had used them a couple times. In fact, one of the samples that I had provided for the, the use of the song was in a parade celebrating the Ravens' a Super Bowl win. They kicked off the parade with Seven Nation Army, which is pretty cool. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. And I'm not a Marylander. Marylandier? Marylandman? Mary Man. Marylandman. I'm not a Merry Man. Yeah. A Merry Man. Uh, but a, I am not a Merry Man. Remember, remember Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, no, it's very you good, like Mr. Trek, Worf. James? Uh, so I might not be a Baltimore Ravens fan necessarily, but you know what? Good on them. Yeah. For for embracing that song. I say here, here. Yeah, and I say here, here to Callie for continuing to give us all these facts to smell. And James, when I reflect on that fact, James. Yeah. Take me through the hands of time. <laughs> to 2017. Paul, if you'll just uh, step right on this pad and we'll jump through the time tunnel, we'll get started right in January. Let's do it. We have to hold hands, Paul, in order to do this. James, let's let old acquaintances be forgot and never bring them to mind. They're dead to me, these old acquaintances, and old Lang Syne, my dear. Mm, don't call me that. What do we got? Let's get let, let, let's, let's let's talk about January 2017, the month that was. You know what? Let's talk about January 2017, Paul. Not too much happened in the very beginning of the year. However, January 10th. Vault 31 is announced. Ah. The Margot Price Live at the Hamilton vault uh, in Washington, D.C., which both me and you have, right? That's such a good vault. Oh, my goodness. It's got in there. It's got... uh got a dvd yes uh in there of a performance that that uh, actually it was a performance that was only a couple days or weeks shy of when i had seen her uh it comes with an lp oh there's like little cow skull things and oh it's such a good package yeah yeah and, and it was coming at just the right time when we were getting to know and love Margot price we're getting to know her. <laughs> and so we we got a little bit of background with the dvd it was a good vault very good vault but it was just announced on january 10th it would come out later in the year right a couple days later on january 13th ranch ghost would play live at third man records ranch ghost is pretty good i don't know if you ever give them a listen to i haven't can we listen to a little bit now i'd love to get to know them let's do that makes no difference if you perceive it from the side or underneath
boy, James. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Pretty good. Yeah, they they they're a common common name you'll see at Third Man uh, this year. They they play a couple times. From there on, we move to January twentieth when previous live at Third Man acts are released on two singles. Golden mm-hmm. Pelicans mm-hmm. Blue Room single is released. Knots Blue Room single is released, and Watcher live at Third Man Records Blue Room single uh, is yeah. released. Mm-hmm. So those three are are, uh, are put out there, and yeah. then uh, the big thing on in January they killed your baby. Yes, the big thing killed my baby. No, in fact, Chris Rock performs live at Third Man Records ah, on January twenty fourth. That's right. I remember yes. this. Yes. Did you uh, Did you see any of this, James? No, I, I have yet to watch any of it. Is it good? No, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch him on the night of Too Many Stars, and no, I think Chris Rock is just part of that that generation of comedians that right now is wrestling with the current culture and is i want to say uh not a not a great job of embracing current attitudes shall we say mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's uh that's for another uh, podcast chris rock love him he was a star sort of dogma <laughs> uh but yeah chris rock stand-up comedian was to apparently celebrate a run of sold out dates in nashville uh, with a stand-up show of all new material at third man records blue room all new material is actually a pretty big deal for a comedian that's a lot of work to put in for a whole thing yes and uh he played on january 24th uh and do you know who opened the show paul who opened the show was it the guy that he did the netflix special with no it was daru jones what performed live drums along with dj bowls who spun records uh opened for chris rock that's awesome do we know how uh chris rock and jack white met each other for the first time was it was it with this tribe called quest connection from 2016 i don't know but they did at least meet and it was chris rock who actually shared that photo so they had uh, hung out together during the tribe called quest sessions it's uh, definitely possible that they had met there although you know jack seems to have met a lot of famous people in his travels so perhaps not the first time if anything Clearly, they got to know each other quite well enough to, to do this to do this stand-up special. And right from there, we move to February. Mm-hmm. Right from there, spinning at the tap of the chairs. <laughs> it's February. So that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty laid back January for Jack, you know. He's he's a guy that moves at a pretty quick pace, but uh, you know, you know, he's not not a, not a lot going on that month, it sounds like. Well, he's he's preparing, Paul. Oh, he's preparing. He's wrapped uh-huh. himself in some kind of cocoon. He's preparing to molt. Cocoon. Okay. <laughs> He's in a cocoon. Uh, yeah, so it's a little bit laid back, but but February gets Third Man up and running a little bit better. February 8th through 10th, Third Man Books attends the AWP conference in Washington, D.C., where they do some live poetry readings and some live book readings. And I, I thought about going. I almost went, but I, that something had come up. That that seems to be the story with me and these, these events that are close by. Ah, so we move right along to February 11th. The 59th annual Grammy Awards are aired mm. on uh, February 11th. Now, Jack was up for the Beyonce song for this, right? He was he up was. for yeah, Don't Hurt Yourself. He was nominated three times. Uh, he was nominated for Album of the Year, Lemonade. He was a part of that. He was one of the many people who yep. were nominated for that. Uh, he right. was uh, up for Best Rock Performance on Don't Hurt Yourself, so you were right about that. Mm-hmm. He was also up for Best American Roots Song with City Lights, uh, because ah, City Lights had come out the previous year. That's right. Although he didn't win any awards, he was honored by the Recording Academy Producers and Engineers Wing. 
During Grammy week, this is via Grammy.com, the annual event, now in its milestone 10th year, celebrates artistic contributions from the producer and engineer wing's 6,500-plus professional members and will highlight White's accomplishments and ongoing support for the art and craft of recorded music. They were quoted as saying, For years we've marveled at Jack White's prodigious musicianship and have revered him as a guitar-playing mastermind, but we think it's important to recognize his significant contributions behind the glass as well, said Neil Portnow, president and CEO of the Recording Academy. There seems to be no limit to Jack's pioneering creativity and unbridled passion, and it's those qualities that embody the spirit of all our producers and engineer wing members. It's with great pride that we honor such a talent who is committed to working diligently to ensure that the quality and integrity of recorded music are captivated and preserved. So uh, pretty cool. And and when you see Jack's speech and stuff during that event, which aired on sun- Sunday, February 12th, it, it's really cool. He tells a story uh, from the Distill recordings. Mm-hmm. And he made national news because he had poked fun at Kellyanne Conway, a very topical <laughs> reference at the time. Thank you very much. I had um, a speech prepared by uh, Kellyanne Conway and Bob Lefsitz, but I... I dropped it in the car on the way here, so I'm just going to wing it. It's okay. And and he had uh, Lily Mae Rishi perform, I believe, uh, dur- during that ceremony. And, and there's a lot of f- cool photos of him and Lily Mae during that uh, during that ceremony. It's a really cool. For those of you who haven't listened or seen it, definitely check it out. It's awesome. Indeed. So that was the Grammys. From there, we move on to February 24th when Lily Mae Rishi's first single for her upcoming album, she would release her first single, Over the Hill and Through the Woods, became available on February 24th. I took off running Over the hill and through the woods But didn't you From her forthcoming album Forever and Then Some. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember it's a cool video. It's an interesting song, kind of a weird single to lead off with because it's a quirky song with a lot of key and tempo changes. There's a lot of pauses and things. And even when, when you listen to the album, you do kind of hear that and go, okay, that, that sounds like a single. But it's a definitely a quirky single. It didn't grab me at first. It took a few listens for me to really get into it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Definitely a lot more um, rootsy bluegrass than I was originally anticipating. But I, I liked it a lot. It, it fit her personality. And like like you said, it took me a couple of listens before I understood what it was and Once I did, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Lily Mae production that Jack is executing is reminiscent, I think, of Olivia Jean production that he did uh, on her album, Bathtub Love Killings, back in 2014. Whereas that album, and I know you know my thoughts on it, I love that album. I feel like it's Lazaretto Part Mm 2 in a lot of ways because it's so I mean, even though Olivia wrote the songs and plays most of the instruments, you know, it's definitely the kind of quirky Jack stuff that we got on the Lazaretto album. And that lends itself to a lot of starts and stops, weird effects, stuff that we've grown accustomed to but sometimes sounds a little weird on other artists. I can't help but think that James Forever and Then Some is really a precursor to the back alley stabbing music on Jack's (laughs) forthcoming solo album because 
these things tend to sound stylistically similar to one another. Yeah, even we'll get into it later, but Battlecry even has a little bit of what I what I hope the new album will have as well. But we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what what's going on with that. I like to see where Jack's going, even production wise. It, it, there's a definite line you can follow and trace through these singles that he's helping produce uh, with his yeah. sound, and I think this definitely is another point in that mm-hmm. scatter graph. Right, and and Lily May's voice is front and center in mm-hmm. this song, and it, it it is with no accompaniment that that her solo career kicks off. It's literally a solo career because with <laughs> no no instruments or anything, it's just her and her voice uh, right out in front in those first couple lines of that song. So yeah. I, t- I tend to gravitate toward, and we'll, I guess we'll get to this a little later, but I tend to gravitate toward her version of that song live later in the year mm-hmm. when she got a little more comfortable playing it and it started to sound a little more like a band song. But that's just me. We'll, we'll get into that album a little later, but for now we're going we're gonna to leave it there and we're going to move on to February 25th, 2017, which is a big day for, for Third Man. Uh, the pressing plant opens. That's right. The uh, new pressing plant is the first new pressing plant in Detroit since the 60s. Uh, for, for vinyl records. For, for vinyl records, correct. And uh, it's a big deal for Jack White specifically because he has all of the he has this whole record company now and instead of having to outsource these these records, he gets to press them himself with his own quality standards and his own freakish uh, <laughs> perfectionism put to the nth degree. You could see the people with the masks making the records and all that. Right. You know, they have this dust-free zone and the the highlight is the eight newly built presses which are the first newly built vinyl presses in 35 years, plus uh, four extruders, four hydraulic generators, all of them brand new. Uh, The presses can accommodate 12-inch LPs, 7-inch singles, according to demand, which is, again, important so that they can press small numbers or large batches, you know, depending on if they're getting an independent singer coming to them asking for a couple albums versus a, you know, a big name coming there and wanting a a large-scale nationwide release. Right. They have fully climate-controlled pressing plant, the only fully climate-controlled pressing plant work environment in the world. (laughs) Um, All new state-of-the-art machinery, purpose-built machinery infrastructure, a closed-loop chilled water system that maximizes water sustainability, environment design that inspires passion in record-making, resulting in superior products. That's their copy. Four high-efficiency hydraulic systems isolated in a dedicated contained room digital touchscreen controls for temperature, hydraulic compression and extrusion speed, engineered sound containment for minimal external noise pollution, built by audio and studio fabrication experts responsible for some of the most lauded recording studios in the world. Capacity estimated at 5,000 records per eight-hour shift. That's a hell of a lot of records. With a current cycle time of approximately 45 seconds per record. So the way they, they make these records at the plant is they put in a puck of vinyl they heat it up and the two sides of the record are on a die and they stamp it on both sides and with hydraulic pressure and melt the the puck of wax into a record yeah and you can see this process in uh in not only some of the videos that came out at the time jack was interviewed for a few different local news and national news segments about it uh but you can also see it when adam savage uh from mythbusters uh records his album his single there Mm -hmm. and is it's pressed later in the year and you get a really good idea of how records have made and honestly i had never seen anything like that before so it was actually really cool to see it working in full time and that's kind of part of what the purpose of this record plant was 
supposed to do. It was supposed to show people what making a record looks like. And, and one of the ways it did that was by creating this thing called a viewing platform, which is open to the public and also has full tours through the entire plant later in the year. But what Jack kind of wanted, and there's, there's clips of him talking about this, is he wanted people to be walking by the window and see the thing being made, mm-hmm. which he can't help but think like, this all goes back to really his upholstering days, where he just like, he gets really into this notion of having people be able to just walk by or come in and just see the thing being crafted and made with, with hands and machines and nuts and bolts and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, that was part of the mission statement. He's like the Waffle House of record plants, where you could see your food <laughs> being made right there in front of you. So you know if your T-bone steak or your T-bone burnet, respectively, uh, how, how well it's being cooked. Because both are being cooked. I mean, they're both being heated and, and pressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that, too. It gives you a connection to either what you're consuming via your mouth or your ears. But in a lot of ways, Jack's responsible for the need for this thing. If his legacy was only to bring vinyl records back, I think he contributed enough to that movement for you to be able to attribute a lot of that to him mm-hmm. this is a direct result of him pushing vinyl and and uh, promoting vinyl and getting his fan base excited about it so it's really cool that he has this to show for it yeah you know? and it also along with the viewing platform for the public there's also a big mural by cast corridor artist the late great robert sistock Uh, who would die later in the year, unfortunately, but uh, he was able to finish this mural inside the the pressing plant. It's only there, and you can only see it there, so it's pretty pretty neat. They would would later make a set of pins based on the the mural, and they're available. And with the pressing plant opening, they celebrated with limited releases, newly pressed, newly minted releases. They released the original self-titled White Stripes album on Opaque Red, they released the steel on opaque red vinyl as well. They released the Stooges uh, self-titled deluxe uh, double LP on yellow. They released MC5's uh, album Kick Out the Jams on yellow vinyl. Destroy All Monsters backed with Xanadu, the Black Hole LP on purple. The Johnson Family mm-hmm. Singers Don't Let the Devil Ride LP. They had Derek May 7-inch, a Carl Craig 7-inch limited edition copies of Third Man Books Total Chaos, the story of the Stooges as told by Iggy Pop. Rob Jones designed a limited edition silkscreen poster. And all of those albums had specially made silkscreened album artwork. So uh, had an interesting tactile feel. They were really cool looking, very limited color palette. I liked it a lot. I liked the the products a lot. And Paul, you, you got a few of them, didn't you? Uh, yeah, Joe Joe Lalich, uh, who was picking up some for himself, picked, picked up the first album and Steel for me and they're they're really cool the first two albums really lend themselves to that limited color palette anyway so you you know other than them looking a little pixelated in places because they're literally paint pixels yeah uh, they're, they're interesting they're very interesting and i i actually just listened to uh the distill one yesterday in uh, in preparation for a future episode but yeah so uh really really cool releases and and unique releases and they had a they had a big party with the the pressing plant release and it involved live bands and all kinds of stuff. So really, really good way to kick off the year, uh, set a set a good tone for Third Man Records for the rest mm-hmm. of 2017. Yeah. And, and it moves us right into March. March 3rd, Third Man Records released more Blue Room live at Third Man Records singles. They buy The Blind Shake, Archie and the Bunkers, which is a fun <laughs> name, uh, and Fred and Tootie. Then on March 6th, Vinyl's Revival. 
Nashville, known as Music City, is the front line for the record industry's resurgence. From boomers to hipsters, music lovers are falling in love with the rich sound of vinyl records again. Today, Monday, March 6th, 2017. Al Roker stops by Third Man for the Today Show. Okay. Ben, yeah, I seem to remember this. My voice plus the Today theme recorded live. On the record, baby! Ben Blackwell took Al Roker through the history and nostalgia behind vinyl. Al Roker, by the way, by the way, roasted by Chris Rock at the Night of Too Many Stars mm-hmm. recording, mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough. Anyway. According to Third Man, uh, their press release, in order to show Al how live-to-vinyl recording works, they brought in Nashville natives Ranch Ghost. I was saying that they would pop up a little bit. And they performed mm-hmm. live in the Blue Room, and they listened to the music recorded. We made a special Today Show record for you. It's nice. It, like we like we talked about in our interview with After the Money Is Gone, who released their first single with Third Man Pressing. It's nice to see a focus coming back onto Detroit. Mm-hmm. From there, we move to March seventh. Jack White does an interview with the New Yorker. And he hints at a new album, Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder what that could be. <laughs> we're recording this the night before he's set to announce something with the album in the morning. So yeah. we're uh, <laughs> waiting patiently to see what's going on. So Jack and this this writer, they had taken some time and, and talked and, and were riding around in a car. Apparently, Jack had turned down an alley, parked behind an old wreck, red brick building. I'm quoting now from the New Yorker article. We mm-hmm. climbed some back stairs and let ourselves in through the kitchen. The apartment had two bedrooms and a dining room, which were empty. White had confined himself to the living room, where there were four windows. All the shades were drawn. On a table was a reel-to-reel tape recorder <laughs> that he bought when he was 14, with money and made mowing lawns. And on the walls were an American flag and several large photographs. Against a wall was a cot. The room has wow. rules. Quote, I'm going to try and write songs where I can't be heard by the next-door neighbor, White said, and I want to write like Michael Jackson would write. Instead of writing parts on the instruments or humming melodies, you think of them, to do everything in my head and to do it in silence and use only one room. The writer then says, The place was still and shadowy and cell-like. Four tracks, White said, (laughs) pointing at the tape recorder. With computers, you can use 310 tracks if you want to, but it's too much freedom. I always have my own rules, and I can bend them if I want. I can see the confines I'm working in, but nobody else knows I'm doing it. He literally bought a little room. <laughs> he did. And uh, he brought his little four-track, <laughs> and he sits in silence, composing these things without actually playing a lick of music. It sounds a little wow. crazy, but uh, you know what? He's a little crazy. So It's true. I'm very excited to hear the fruits of this labor. Mm-hmm. It is certainly something that is, I guess, unique in his catalog. The last album was right him co-writing essentially with his younger self. That was the that was the hook behind the last mm-hmm. album, I believe, which is he had a lot of scraps of songs and things from when he was a kid and and he was basically teaching himself via the adult now how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the last hook. This one is him alone in a little room with weird posters <laughs> on the wall and a cot. <laughs> Um, Does he go home to his kids? Like, what? what's happening here? <laughs> I mean, I guess the answer is yes, but 
Very curious. Yeah. Very curious um, indeed. And when this article came out, the the Jack White fan groups were abuzz with speculation because yeah. we had finally learned that he is writing. He is, in fact, writing music for something new. Exciting time. As we had all assumed he was doing the year prior and were <laughs> let down by. Right. We were all wrong. It's, well, he, he had... Oh, oh, I get it. Get it? That's an in-joke. Yeah. Also on March 7th, though, uh, <laughs> along with this article coming out, Lily Mae releases Honky Tonks and Taverns. Oh, that's a very good mm-hmm. song. Uh, off of her uh, her soon-to-be-released Forever and Then Some, as we talked about earlier. So uh, that, that single was released. All the memories and all the visions that I can In my opinion, stronger than Over the Hill and Through the Woods. But Yes, I would agree personally as well. I think it yeah, appeals to our tastes a little more. But It's my favorite song on the album. It's great live. It's a nice stomper tune, and you get that little bit of studio chatter of Lily Mae being a, like a lovable dork. Yeah. I don't, mean that in, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean it in like a cute, like a dorkable sort of way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next day, uh, March 8th. 2017 is International Women's Day. Third Man Records uh, announces that they're having an entirely female-fronted night of music in the Blue Room for it, which Mm. includes Mm -hmm. the Downtown Boys, Sad 13, Steph Chura, and Sneaks. For sneaking! All right. And then uh, on top of the festivities, Third Man Books was able to support uh, a Nashville International Women's Day event held at the Oz Arts in Nashville. Third Man Book poets Klana Roos and Kendra DeColo uh, read some live poetry there. Nice. March 10th, the official release of Todd Albright's EP Detroit 12 String Blues and Rags was released on Third Man Records. Uh, Todd Albright is another guy mm-hmm. who will keep popping up in, in Third Man. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, delved too much there, but label tends to support good acts. Yes, indeed. March 17th, the uh, part one of the Luck Mansion Sessions was released. Uh, Paul, you know a little bit more about the Luck mm-hmm. Sessions than I do. Yeah, we talked about that actually in last year's 2016 overview. It was a house that third man rented out and a lot of different artists performed in and recorded in and uh, some of which were lily may rishi and margo price was there for it but i i actually don't have any recollection of seeing a release from margo i bought a couple of them uh they they sound very good uh, a lot of artists i don't recognize but really cool stuff very nashville centric initiative and uh and good sound and music mm-hmm. yeah so a bunch of different records were released for that also Announced on March 17th, Jack White had apparently bought George Nelson's Kalamazoo Mid-Century House in Michigan. Okay. Jack had bought the house for above asking price, 510000 sight unseen. So he didn't even go to visit it, but he bought this place in Michigan <laughs> for half a million dollars. Wow. Real estate, yeah. huh? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in gold mines, oil wells, shipping, or real estate. On the 21st of March, Waxahachie and Kevin Morby had a live at Third Man Records release. On the 28th, Lily Mae premieres the song Wash Me Clean. Very good song as well. Quote, unquote, 
premiere that having existed on her 20 I want to say 15 album Rain on the Piano mm. the new the new arrangement very close to the old one but I I do prefer the Jack arrangement to the original uh, and anyway it's a strong song so I, I get why they re-recorded it yeah a little bit sad a little bit uh, it's got that country sadness to it but I like it a lot yeah the Jack production adds a lot to it the original version was a little straightforward a little sparse a little more puppy dog country after, after that uh, March 31st is the official release of Craig Brown Band's The Lucky Ones Forget on Third Man Records a great yeah i haven't gotten into it i haven't i haven't really delved into it there's something about his his aesthetic his badger from breaking bad aesthetic that i just (laughs) it's hard for me to do it's good it's good i picked this one up i don't i did something i don't often do with third man axes i picked this one up with really no knowledge of it i just did it i just you know because normally sometimes i like to listen to it before i dedicate any money to it but i i bought i purchased the single that came out and i really enjoyed it you know i thought it was pretty good it's definitely slacker core Mm. well craig brown band we've diagnosed the problem your van's broke we're gonna have to fix it an artist like courtney barnett is maybe executing the kind of vibe he's going for maybe a little more tactfully yeah but i i enjoyed it either way and the video is really funny and it's again it's a detroit centric sort of thing so it's cool to see yeah. that i'm not overthinking i'm not even thinking waiting for the biggest star to fall From there, we move to April 2017. Big news. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack White signs world a worldwide agreement with the Universal Music Publishing Group. Uh, yeah. He had previously been with uh, Sony and ATV Music Publishing and Mushroom Music Publishing, and all of that was outside of North America. In the United States, he had always self-published his music, but for the mm-hmm. first time, he was going solely with Universal Music Publishing Group, which actually had some benefits, which we'll get into in a little bit. He had a greater access to, to older music catalogs, which he was able to reissue stuff with, and we'll we'll get into some of those reissues. Yeah, I, uh, Jack is no dummy when it comes to publishing, and as we'll get to in <laughs> our next episode, he retained the rights to his own catalog mm-hmm. really early on when a lot of artists in his position don't really get that opportunity. But he had, I don't know, the smarts, the gall, the, the bravery, the bravado, whatever you want to call it, to look these corporations in the eye and say well if you want me this is the terms in which you can have me Mm -hmm. and part of those terms was retaining the control of his material and so you know he continues to demonstrate that he's savvy in that area and i'm sure the universal deal was a continuation of that and one that was probably very lucrative for him yeah i'm sure they're a very big publishing group so i'm sure they're able to put his music out there and in greater quantities and And in greater numbers Universal is going to service and administer his repertoire while working closely with Third String Tunes and Peppermint Stripe Music, which are his publishing companies. And it's the first time he had ever had a single publisher administer rights around the world for his catalog. Probably looking to extend his reach a little bit with a company that can do that yeah, kind maybe, of thing. maybe get out into the, some of those Singapore truck stops. No, that would be Indian. the Indonesian trucker market, which again, we will revisit <laughs> next episode because I literally wrote notes about that. Sorry, Cole. <laughs> 
And according to their uh, to their press release, Jack and the entire UMPG or Universal Music Publishing Group team uphold a cult- uphold a uh, culture that fosters creativity. Said manager Montone, they are continually at the forefront of the industry. We are excited to be part of the United family. Universal. Did I? Not say Universal. You were saying United, but he's also flying around. <laughs> Universal Music Publishing. Group. He sold all of his music publishing to United yes. Airlines. Some some mid-flight stabbing music. <laughs> oh man! So from from that mid-flight st- stabbing music, from that we move to April fourth, twenty seventeen. Karen Elson performs live at Third Man Records to promote uh, and have a record release show for her mm. album off of Hot Records, Double Roses, which comes out... Double, ro- Double Roses. Yeah, it comes out yeah. April 7th of this year. And so Third Man threw her a release party. Mm. Ooh, that's mm, a little awkward. <laughs> mm. Although it should be noted, while Karen did talk a lot, in the, and, and we talked about this a little bit on an older episode because I saw this tour, mm-hmm. she talked a lot in the press about how her and Jack had maintained this friendship after this very ugly sort of division. And... They seem to have a very good relationship. They seem to be very supportive of one another. And I I remember being very surprised that Karen was playing at Third Man for this album, which has nothing to do with Jack. Uh, There's only a couple very loose links between this and Third Man, but really it's a totally separate thing. So good on Jack and good on Karen for being able to, you know, kind of patch it up enough to be able to do an event like this. Yeah. I feel like it's half being treated as just another venue in Nashville. Yeah. But they're clearly in good terms. The the press release said their dear friend Karen Elson and they're they're they, yeah. they tried to promote the, the album. When it's not really on them yeah. to do at all. This album is not bad. It's I, I prefer Ghost Two Walks, I think purely because it's Jack production like we had talked about. If Olivia Jean was Les Reto Part 2, Ghost Who Walks is really kind of Sea of Cowards Part 2. It's very much a continuation of that dead weather era where Jack was in his mid to late 30s and really leaning into the goth yes. thing. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, look, uh, it's a good, decent album uh, by Karen, and I, I enjoyed it very much and, and liked watching her live. Can you guess what the day after happens? But not to be... Outdone. Uh, Jack White drops Battle Cry out of nowhere. Every Jack White fan breathed a sigh of relief, finally having some form of new material. It actually caused me a great degree of anxiety. I had gotten a text from you. I was sitting on the couch in the living room, and I became very tense and started turning a lot of different directions. And Susanna was, like, telling me this really important story at the time, and I was just like, I was like, no, I I love you, but shh. And then I was like, I have to go, and I left. I love you, but I have to leave. Yeah, we we had just finished recording, like, (laughs) An hour or two before this, and uh, I was just kind of scouring iTunes, and all of a sudden, iTunes said "New (laughs) Battle Cry" by Jack White, and I'm like, "What? What? What is this?" Yeah, we are. 
because we all thought it was the lead-off single to the new album because the last time around, Highball Stepper came out to precede the album, and that was an instrumental with a weird release, you know? It wasn't... So, of course, we're programmed to think in those terms. We talked about this a little bit in our interview with Ben Jenkins, episode 57, for those who haven't listened to it, but... I think our everyone's initial reaction was, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, okay, oh, oh, it's an ad for baseball. All right. Yes, uh, which is to say, this this new single was for promotion with with War Stick baseball bats and Ben Jenkins and Ian Kinsler it was to be used in a promotional film, which also debuted on April sixth for War Stick, which Jack White appears in as uh, as the spirit yeah. of the Raven. And it's it's great. We talk about it a lot in that Ben Jenkins interview. If you haven't listened to it, you should definitely listen to that. Uh, look, all kidding aside, it's really cool promotion for War Stick, and it's awesome. Jack did the music for it, and it's our only Jack White proper release for 2017. Yeah. So it'll always uh, hold a special place in my heart for that, right along with the Muppets back in 2016. So it's a cool release, and it's a great song. It's really... It's smoking. Yeah. You know? And he certainly sees what kind of a fan I am because I, without thinking, without hearing it, without knowing what it was, (laughs) I threw all the money I had at that as hard as I could. I threw the bills at the computer screen saying, like, take it, take it. Shut up and take my money. The the good news is part of the the money went to help out some charitable causes, which was nice. Uh, Ben ben Jenkins directly involved with a lot of charities that pertain to Native American reservations and the preservation therein, and uh, again, talks more about that in our interview with him, but, you know, it would be easy to look at a song like that with a lot of very heavy Native American overtones and think appropriation, but it's really not, because it it utilizes the spirit of it, Mm -hmm. goes to the promotion and the well-being of those people, which I think is one of the key factors there, and makes something new out of it, Uh, so uh, you know, I think it's a valid exercise on Jack's part musically. By the way, the the proceeds uh, portion of the proceeds that we were talking about went to the Well for Culture program within the Native Wellness Institute. Uh, so that's good. I'm glad that that there was a good cause that it that it was able to go to as well. After that very exciting news, April seventh, uh, Karen Nelson's album D- Double Roses is actually officially released. Yep. April tenth, Lily May plays live at Third Man Records for her record release show. Um, which uh, the record wasn't released on this day, but she does play at Third Man Records for this live release show as like a little party beforehand. I was very excited for this release. I was. I don't know about you. I was too, and we'll get to it in a second because the next day, April 10th, Vault 32 is announced, which is the Dead Weather Live at the Mayan. Good Vault. Great Vault. Comes with a mystery key that no one knows what it's for. Can't wait to figure that out. Susanna keeps telling me to go to the Mayan with the key. As if I will be able to unlock something. And honestly, it's not a bad suggestion. Just, I just keep forgetting to do that. Just present the key to whatever vagrant is out front. See if they let you into something. Yeah. James. Into their world of wonders. James, next time you're out here in Los Angeles, we are going to dress you up once again like Short Round, mm-hmm. and we are going to break into the Mayan, and we are going to try all the different locks in the place until that key opens something. It's no time for love, Dr. Jones. Short Round. Someone in the vault chat asked Jack White what the key meant, and Jack's only response ever to the key is, what key? Question mark. (laughs) 
Excellent. Big fan of that response. <laughs> to get back to Lily May, <laughs> April 13th, Lily May appears on Conan O'Brien. The day I saw her. Yeah. And host, and Third Man Records hosts a live show after the Conan show at the Monty for people who pre-ordered to, uh, her album uh, in, in Los Angeles. And Paul was one of those lucky people. It's detailed, again, in great length. Mm-hmm. In uh, prior shows, mm-hmm. um, I think that's in our Fell in Love with the Show Best of compilation. If you want to listen to that one, I think it's got it in there. But a- a- an amazing experience. And I had just done a buttload of research about Lily May for our episode, I want to say like 30 or something, which was a spotlight on Lily May. And so I was just freshly acquainted with all of this trivia and got to talk to her and be totally knowledgeable in her catalog. And she was just so wonderful. And it was such a wonderful experience. And the next day I got just violently ill (laughs) with this horrible, horrible cold. And I was, I was completely bedridden for like three days. Fortunately for me, I was not sick the night of the Lily Mae concert, and I had the album Mm -hmm. in hand, and I just listened to it over and over and over again. And for those of you who have taken a sick day in your life, uh, there's something a little magical about the sick day. (laughs) Pete began his adventure by taking in the little things you only notice on a sick day. The way the dust motes waft around in the sunlight. The sound of the refrigerator making ice cubes. And the sweet, marshmallowy taste of an American president going down his food hole. <laughs> uh, when it's you, a home, alone, uh, incapacitated with chicken soup, and in my case, Lily May, and uh, I just spent a, a, a spent like three days with that album, just listening to it over and over again, really loving it. So, really nice time in the year for for Third Man Records fans and uh, myself, in particular. Yeah, in those three days, the album Forever and Then Some is released, uh, specifically April fourteenth good album it's uh like we said jack white produced helps play a little bit on a couple songs he you know yeah. it's he's all over it accredited as whip triplet by the yeah. way <laughs> right uh the the ever mysterious whip triplet that that we still don't know if it's really him or not but it's him uh, but at that point i'm like you credited yourself with the production, so why are the, why is the instrumentation under Whip Triplet? I don't get it's it. It's bizarre. You know what the weirder thing is, James? The weirder thing is there are photos from around this time of Jack in the studio with Margot with, like, a bass and stuff. Like, he's playing instruments. And when you look at the credits on Margot's album, which I understand we'll get to a little bit later... He's not not even Whip Triplet is mentioned, so I have no idea about that. In that case, he may have just declined. Either it wasn't included or he, he declined inclusion. But mm. anyway, that's a, sort of a separate thing. It, it continues a weird tradition in Jack's latter years where he is just shying away from credit. Yeah, I think me and you have both noticed he had a, a signature sound that he put on to this album, and you could definitely hear it specifically yeah. on the last track, which is... One of my favorites, Dance to the Beat of My Own Drum, which... Yeah. Uh, very short. Yeah, but very good. And, and Paul, you had you had told me this was one of your favorites as well, and I listened to it, and then I listened to it again and again and again and again, because I love that song. Yeah. It's uh, very Jack-like. It's uh, sort of a samba thing, kind of, and... It's, it's hypnotic in a way, and in a way a lot of Jack stuff tends to be. So, look, this is a really strong album. We're not country guys, although at a certain point I'm sure our mother would say we doth protest too much. <laughs> but we're not necessarily inclined to go out and listen to country records, but I, I really like this album. and 
I think it's worth listening to. And if you like Jack White, this does sound like a Jack White production. So yeah, it and is it, worth it is worth it, even if you're not into country. And it's definitely got a good cast of credits on there. It's got Frank Rishi and Scarlett Rishi, who are uh, obviously related to to Lily May. I believe they're her siblings. Yeah, they're her siblings and also played with her in their sibling band Gypsy for many mm-hmm. years. It's got Brian Zahn and Tanner Jacobson. Also yeah. includes Dean Fertitta. Uh, yeah, Dean's on uh, there. From the yeah. Dead Weather, you might recognize him from, uh, as well as Corey Yount, uh, who has also played with Jack White's solo band. Corey played in The Buzzards, and he also played in a couple iterations of the of the combined Lazaretto band. Okay. Um, so he was on that Blunderbuss tour, but he also played in like one or two Lazaretto shows. Mm. Also uh, yeah. features Ian Craft, Carrie Katsanis, and uh, also McKenna Grace Rishi, uh, another one of, of her siblings. Give it a listen. Give it a listen. Yeah, definitely. From there, we move on to uh, April 16th. Pyle plays live at Third Man Records. April 19th, uh, Kathleen Madigan does some live stand-up at Third Man Records. April 21st, Adult does a live at Third Man Records. Yeah. April 22nd is Record Store Day 2017, uh, ah. which has many a festivity. Including the vastly overpriced yeah. on the aftermarket for the Jack White release for this year. Yes, both both Third Man locations in the Cass Corridor and in Nashville have their own record store release parties, including live acts like Lily Hyatt, Steelism, Adia Victoria, Eliza Godfrey, Prude Boys, and the Mexican Knives. Some of them Detroit bands, some of them Nashville bands. During the release, mm-hmm. uh, as Paul said, the, the Battle Cry single is released on one-sided gold-colored vinyl uh, on a 7-inch and mm-hmm. instantly shot up in price on, yep. on the second-hand market. Although the first-hand market was pretty but, expensive yeah. to begin with. so The closest I got, I had bid $60. <laughs> and then I was outbid. And... Yeah. Look, I would have... I would have gone if any of the record stores near me carried mm-hmm. it, but they, they didn't. didn't, so I had no choice. Yeah. So, yeah. Jack, if you're listening... Mail Paul... You know, maybe... <laughs> this single, P.O. Box... Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you let some of these other record stores participate. Uh, aside from the, the Battle Cry drama, there was also the uh, the release of... The first release of the Blue Series book, uh, The Blue Series, ah. The Story Behind the Color, Volume 1, the special edition of the book. I really want that book. I just, I'm dying Yeah, that book. it looks so good. It's got interviews with, with Jack, Ruby Amanfu, everybody. Everybody in the Jack universe is involved in that. It had a blue, special blue vinyl 7-inch that came with it. Each copy was signed by Ben Blackwell. Really cool special edition copy of that book. Aside from that, they, they did a reissue of Bob Seger Systems 2 plus 2 equals question mark. I don't know what the actual pronunciation should be on that. Is it just 2 plus 2 equals... <laughs> I mean, for for uh, for those of us out here in a in the audio medium, James uh, <laughs> expressed himself in a puzzled way. Uh, aside from that, they they also had a limited edition yellow version of Lily May Rishi's seven inch single "Over the Hill and Through the Woods," and then Lily May also did a signing on location at Nashville for her new album. And, and why don't we move on to May? Yeah, let's go to May, James. All right, May's pretty laid back. Yeah, he's chilling. For on May third, Y plays live at Third Man Records. I love Y, and we had talked about Y a little bit in our listener questions episode a little while back when we were talking about different bands we like. Y's album Alopecia is one of my all-time favorite albums, and they just reissued their entire catalog on vinyl. If you haven't listened to their albums, 
the really the only one I can vouch for that's great is alopecia. But the fact that they were playing a third man, I find is fantastic. Listen to why they're they're awesome. Yes, do that. About ten days later, May thirteenth, twenty seventeen, Red Cross plays live at Third Man Records. I have nothing to say about Red Cross. Red Cross is their Detroit band. I know they played a show with the Go at one point and the Wolfman Band, which we had talked about briefly in our Halloween ah. episode. Good band. And mm-hmm. uh, the exciting thing that happened in May was May sixteenth, American Epic premieres on PBS. Uh, I watched all of these live as they were coming out such a good series oh my years and years and years and years in the making finally released it's been teased at for so many years but yeah it was a it's very good informative about a lot of early blues with a really really good soundtrack produced by jack white and with t-bone burnett the soundtrack is phenomenal the the series is phenomenal i i learned so much about the origins of hawaiian recorded music and its direct connection to the steel guitar. Mm-hmm. The fact that I know even a little bit about the Memphis Jug Band is kind of <laughs> remarkable, and and that's really thanks to to this series. In fact, as I say, uh, on a future episode, we're about to talk about the song "Going Back to Memphis" mm-hmm. because uh, Jack plays that one with "Let's Build a Home" uh, often, and uh, and that's a song by the Memphis Jug Band. So Jack was covering these people. I had no idea that he was doing that but boy i learned so much and the soundtrack which i'm sure we'll talk about is uh, is a great is a great accompanying piece to the whole thing but if you haven't seen this what are you waiting for watch this yeah. jack's in it you know he you you could see him and elton john play together you could see him upholster something in real time <laughs> Watch this. Don't worry. Rest assured, we will do an entire episode about American Epic at some point in time. Uh, yes. But the soundtrack series mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But that brings us to May 19th. Pokey Lafarge releases Manic Revelations, featuring the song Riot in the Streets on Rounder Records. 8 doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with Third Man Records, but it is Pokey-related, so I figured I'd throw it in there anyway. Yeah, great song. I haven't heard the full album, but I love the tour of that album, which I saw and enjoyed very much. Yes. May 19th, North Mississippi All-Stars uh, play live at Third Man Records. North Mississippi All-Stars, you'll you'll recognize because they're, they're the group that uh, Dominic Davis is involved with. Our buddy Dominic. Yeah, friend of the show, Dominic Davis and Jack White, backing band member from the, the Blunderbuss and Lazaretto uh, album and tours. Very good band. I recommend you, you guys give them a listen. Uh, and they played on May 19th. It was shortly after that performance that uh, we got in touch with him for the first time. Yes, 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 um, yes. We talked to him a little on Twitter. I was in Las Vegas when I f- first heard back from him, 
and freaked out a little bit to the fellow I was with who uh, did not care. And uh, finally, May 25th, Sheer Mag plays live at Third Man Records. And from there, we move on to June. Oh, June. I love yes, you. June. Uh, June 1st, in anticipation of American Epic Sessions, which is a, it's a TV show that, that immediately comes after uh, American Epic. It, it, it follows the, the recording of the uh, music for American Epic. In anticipation for this, Third Man Records releases a video of Jack White and Elton John as Elton John composes a new song on camera called Two Fingers of Whiskey. Two Fingers of Whiskey, good old-fashioned rye. Which he does with Bernie, it's with Bernie Taupin, right? Yes, uh, there are lyrics uh, that Bernie Taupin had, had just given him, and Jack White accompanies him, and they record the song direct to Wax. Oh, James, we gotta hear that one. Oh, yes. I love this song. It's one of my favorite releases of this year, even though it was recorded who knows when. But I love this song. Yeah, well, it's the first we got to hear of it. And it was some new new content involving some Jack White music. So I think we were all pretty happy with it. He sings harmony with Elton John, for Christ's sake. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I know. June 6th, uh, the Blue Series, the story be- behind the color, uh, the regular edition hits bookshelves. Uh, so the non-special edition with black vinyl. Also on June 6th, Third Man Records provides screenings of American Epic Sessions in Nashville and Cass Corridor, which premiered in, in June Jack White and T-Bone Burnett, they release American Epic The Sessions, which is a companion LP with the American Epic Sessions series. They reassembled the very first electrical sound recording system from the 1920s and recruited a roster of 20 contemporary artists to tracks under similar circumstances as singers would have from that era. The musicians would have roughly three minutes to record their song directed disc before the weight hits the floor. In the 1920s, they called this catching lightning in a bottle. All the musical mm. performances in the film are live. The audio you hear on the soundtrack is taken directly from the discs they were recorded to with no editing or enhancements. Mm. We heard some stories about this uh, in the Dominic Davis interview, so you guys should go check that out. Yes, you should. Participating artists include Alabama Shakes, the Americans, Anna Gabriel, Ashley Monroe, the Avid Brothers, Beck, Betty Levette, Bobby Ingano, Elton John, Frank Fairfield, Jaron, Blind Boy Paxton, Los Lobos, Lost Bayou Ramblers, oh, Pokey Lafarge, Nas, Nas is on this, very good. Yep. Uh, Steve Martin, Eddie Brickle, Taj Mahal, Willie Nelson, uh, Merle Haggard, and also Jack White himself plays on it a bunch. Merle Haggard, who had freshly died at this point in uh, in time, and yes. If you see, if you notice, uh, Margot Price's band tends to wear a lot of Merle Haggard paraphernalia in 2016. So I believe he died then, and it's great they caught him before he uh, before he died. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like like we had said, this this was uh, years and years in the making. So you can definitely see hairstyles changing and and people dropping on and off the project for different yeah. circumstances. Obviously, it was it was nice that they were able to to get 
get him on the project. June 16th, released for the American Epic Sessions, uh, they release a video, Matrimonial Inclinations, which features Jack White, uh. Fats Kaplan, Lily Mae Rishi, and Dominic Davis. Uh, so the video oh, is released. Oh, it's such a good song! James, James, can we listen to that one? Of course we can, Paul. can talk about your cold shell road in mamas why were you cheering about your high speed and brown well, i got a woman way down in mobile alabama she's the warmest thing in that town dog on her skin she ain't got no papa leave me alone she ain't got no big boy please take me home this mama just got one object in view and what she said to me i know she's bound to say to you she'll say papa p ain't got no matrimonial inclinations then keep your hands to yourself daddy p ain't got no bungalow made reservations son don't let your hands be felt well i'm just red Hot papa, you heard so much talking about, but this is an asbestos woman who mortally push your fire out. Oh, it's Jack and Lily harmonizing again. It's, uh, I love this song. This project gave us so many new Jack songs. Even though we didn't get a, a Jack proper release, we did get a lot of new Jack music this year, and that's this is one of those songs. It's true. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because it's recorded in a an old-style technique which fit Jack White and his band perfectly yeah let's see uh june 19th vault 33 is announced which is the icky thump x mm, vault another great vault yeah they were planning something special for for vault 33 because jack white loves threes and to <laughs> celebrate the 10th anniversary of icky thump they re-released icky thump along with unreleased demos which were awesome the red demos also all of the b-sides with a couple exceptions on on one lp mm-hmm. and some rob jones artwork and in a box and stuff. It was very, very cool set. Uh, yes. So that was announced. June 20th, Popular Mechanics spotlights Jack White at Third Man Records pressing plant in, a, in an mm. article, which is pretty cool. He made the cover. Also on June cool. 20th, Rory Scovel tries stand-up for the first time, debuts on Netflix. It's a special for comedian Rory Scovel. I understand you just recorded an album with Jack White. Yes. <laughs> together. You did? No, it was not together. Uh, it was on his label, Third Man Records. Is it? Uh, this is all we, real? We did, this is real. It's, it's stand-up. It's not music or anything. I like this special a lot. I know, Callie, you have mixed feelings on it, uh, <laughs> but Jack is in it, and yes. he is, Jack is very funny in it. What about a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, is completely out of his element, unattractive, probably not that funny? What would that be like? He's looking real... Yeah, he, he looks like he was freshly struck by lightning in this in this particular clip, but it's really makes, I, it's worth a watch. I like it. Yeah, he makes a good cameo in the special, and they include it in the in the trailer for it and stuff. It's he's very funny in it, but uh, I, I I like the special a lot. I, I thought it was very funny. It was actually all taped in Third Man Records in the Blue Room and stuff. So um, was it really? I had no yeah. idea. That's awesome. So so the whole thing was was in Nashville and uh, it it even has like a little third man logo at the end. So pretty cool Netflix special. June twenty third, 
Third Man Records released The Monk's Hamburg Tapes, 1967, featuring five unheard mm-hmm. tracks from the group. I had never heard of cool. The Monk's before, Paul. I don't know about you, but no. uh, they, Third Man Records sure made sure that I had. <laughs> and they're yeah. good. I like The Monk's. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly the fruits of that universal partnership. I know the, the chess releases, which we'll talk about, definitely are from that universal partnership. Uh, but yeah, cool cool release of a of a classic group. June 27th, Lily May plays on Stephen Colbert and uh, directly afterwards plays a show in New York. Which you saw with which Ariel. Which I did see. And is also, we, we did a fell in love with the show about that and it is uh, embarrassing for me. <laughs> but which didn't make it onto the recording at that time was that you had actually gotten an autograph for me on the photo of me yes. and Lily May that Lily signed it and you sent it to me for my birthday in July and that was very very wonderful and as we were recording that you couldn't say that because it wasn't yeah, my birthday yet so it wasn't uh, birthday that was very yet, yeah. very nice of you James and thank you again it's awesome it's one of by the way when i was packing it to go bag uh, when the fires were hitting, that was one of the things, along with my marriage certificate, that I put into the suitcase. That's a true story, by the way. You can see what Paul cares about in this world right there. And the cats didn't even make it. Uh, cats didn't make the cut, but that Lily May autograph. Directly afterwards, June 30th, they had a Lucky 7 record release party, mm-hmm. according to their press release. Friday is the seventh day of the seventh month in 2017, and because we love numerology, we want you all to get lucky, and we're going to offer up seven special titles for the first, and in some cases, only time in our Nashville and Detroit shops. Very Uh, good. And they had a release party for these things, which I'll just get into who played there real quick. Uh, In Detroit, they had The Fake Monks, which included Frank Woodman, Alex Glendening, Magic Nailed Jake it. Kulkowski uh, of King Tough fame, which we had talked about in the Halloween special, King Tough, and John Szymanski from The Henchman, which is Ooh. pretty cool, as well as uh, TJ Ghoul. Real quick, John Szymanski, also who we'll be talking about next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who play, who performs not once but twice on the White Stripes second album to steal. Anyway. Oh, nice. Very cool. And that was in Detroit. In Nashville, they had the live band The Hunks, which featured Dylan Watson, Domo, Andy Farrow from Ranch Ghost, Cam Serrett, and Mitch Jones. Also on the 30th, the first Blue Series single since June of 2016 comes out. My Bubba releases the Blue Series single Gone, backed with You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go. Yeah, it's a great moody single. Um, I I do like it. It's definitely low key. It does. It reminds me a little bit of Smoke Fairies, who did some work with Third Man, and uh, who I got kind of into after the fact. But it's nice, kind of moody, moody little single, and Jack plays on it, so yeah. really cool. And it's a Scandinavian folk duo. They're they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the single. And from there, we move on to July. So July 10th, Greg Ashley and the Western Playboys self-titled covers EP 
Uh, comes out on Third Man Records. July 14th, the 20th anniversary of the White Stripes, is is on July 14th, 2017. That's right, and they put out that EP, that little three-song exactly. selection of the Stripes' first performance. Yeah, Third Man Records announced on uh, to celebrate that they'd release the White Stripes, the first show live on Bastille Day, which includes their first ever performance, and they released it on digital and streaming services. All these took place at the Gold Dollar at the open mic night on Bastille Day in 1997. You'd be able to hear St. James Infirmary, Jimmy the Exploder, and Love Potion Number no. 9, which is pretty cool to hear. Great release. Jim Diamond was there for that show. He was, yeah, which we learned about in the last episode. They also released a photo from the same era as that first show, so from 97, uh, which was has only been previously published in grainy black and white. Meg with a flag and Jack sitting by a mural that has the words silk satin and suede emblazoned on them, which were apparently originally slated to be the title of the White Stripes' first album. Really? I did not know that. July 14th as well, uh, Sunseeker releases their album on Third Man Records, uh, which is an EP called Bitteford. Sunseeker then plays a live at Third Man Records show to, to celebrate the release of that. July 26th, Lily May releases the Wash Me Clean video. July 27th, Margot Price and Third Man Records release the Weakness EP, which immediately precedes the announcement of her second oh, album. All American made. But yeah, the Weakness EP which featured it, it's weird it's it's not really an ep it's just sort of two singles which they called an ep weakness is a really great song made some waves uh happy to say and also included some other songs from the album and the studio version of the uh, cover song they played called paper cowboy mm. which i loved hearing live and which you can hear on that vault that aforementioned vault release they they do play the live version of that there but they give you a studio cut of it and it's really awesome. So anyway, that that EP was awesome and and just so good to hear new Margot music prior to that new album coming also out. Also had some pretty cool artwork on the front. Yeah. yeah she's in like a tree this yeah. time. Yeah. On July 27th and also on July 30th, two photos are taken. July 27th, Jack White takes a photo in New York City. And on July 30th, Jack White takes a photo in L.A., (laughs) uh, both of them with two separate bands. And uh, July 31st, Third Man Records posts the photos throughout their social media, officially announcing a new solo album to be released in 2018. We finally get confirmation we are getting a new album. Yeah. As soon as I saw those photos, I freaked out. Mm Mm-hmm and went to go try and find the location. (laughs) So I drove all over Hollywood. (laughs) Expecting to find it. Looking for it. But the the one thing I did track down, and this this was just a couple weeks later, was the photo of him he took at a diner not far from LAX and posted to his Instagram. And so I found the diner and then found the booth that he sat in in that photo and took a photo in the exact same pose in the exact same seat and got the owner of the of the diner who took the photo for me said what should be on everyone's mind is uh why are you here (laughs) 
and that and that happened. But I was very the the, the really the takeaway from that story is I was very excited right. about the announcement. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Super, super exciting news, which uh, is at the tail end of July and brings us right into August. One last thing about that photo in the New York photo, uh, the one of the members of the band. There's a lady bass player who is was identified later as one of the duo Ghost of a Sabertooth Tiger. Uh, the other member of that duo being none other than John Lennon's son, Sean Lennon. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. And, we, and another weird Beatle connection for Jack. Yeah. And from there, from that exciting news, we move to August. August 7th, Adam Savage and Tested visit Third Man Records pressing plant and interview Jack. Hey guys, there is a lot that's really special about where I am at this very moment. First of all, I'm in the beautiful city of Detroit, Michigan. Second of all, I'm in the cast corridor where Jack White and his band The White Stripes got their start. And that's important because I'm also standing in front of Jack's third man records in Detroit. He talks about mics and stuff, and they bring you through the whole process of the pressing plant, like Paul had talked about earlier. And Adam records a tested exclusive direct to acetate 7-inch for his live show, Brain Candy, which you could only get if you subscribed to Tested's subscription service. But photosynthesis opposes fire in every instance. It's an endothermic reaction, creating heat and light and CO2 for its passion. All from a breath of what you and me survive on. Oxygen. I do not care what you study, just so long as you make a buddy out of meteors, geology, and matter, dark or light. It doesn't matter a fact to me. There's commonality in all these things that we sing. Our brain, 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 brain candy. Interesting. Regardless. It's it's a great special, cool Jack interview, uh, worth watching. Indeed. August 11th, Ranch Ghost Blue Room Session 7-inch is now available. Uh, Jack White and mm-hmm. Ben Jenkins announced Warstick Headquarters will open in Deep Ellum, Texas, which we talk about in the Ben Jenkins interview, episode 57. August 21st is Occulting the Sun at Third Man Records, which... Uh, is a part of the 2017 total solar eclipse celebration. The first time in a long time the, the there was a total solar eclipse that was visible to most of the United States and uh, to celebrate Third Man Records in Nashville had brought in Quintron, who invented something called the <laughs> Weather Warlock. Mr. Warlock, if you please. <laughs> So Third Man had an event with this. In their press release, they said, uh, We present to you Weather Warlock, created by New Orleans musician, musician and inventor Quintron. The instrument is a large analog synthesizer, which is controlled completely by the weather and employs sun, rain, wind, temperature, moon, and lightning to affect an E major drone chord with special sonic events occurring at sunrise and sunset. Quintron predicts the effects of the totality of the eclipse on the weather warlock sensor will produce a very dramatic effect indeed. The performance will last through the partial eclipse, beginning and end, as well as the totality. Uh, and it, it was all kicked off with an invocation from Third Man Books poet Janaka Stuckey. Really cool photos of this, of Jack and I want to say Ben Blackwell and Olivia Jean on the roof of Third Man Records looking up at the eclipse. Funny stuff. And as I was seeing that stuff pop up on Third Man social media, I was in Florida visiting our parents at an art museum. <laughs> Wondering why the uh, 
the sunlight on the ground was looking funny <laughs> the, with our father. So that's uh, that's what I was doing at that moment. But yeah, the, it was great to see uh, Jack and Olivia up there enjoying the enjoying the eclipse. Yeah, I was driving back from the airport, uh, which I which I had taken the day off, but uh, apparently my work had. Uh, an eclipse party and it was very cloudy in Pennsylvania and so everyone was outside with these glasses and stuff couldn't see a damn thing <laughs> they they were all very disappointed August uh, 25th the Luck Mansion Sessions Part 2 is released so the final artists are, are released from that August 26th Lily Mae performs live at Third Man Records Cast Corridor still on her Forever and Then Some tour and finally August 31st Iron and Wine perform live at Third Man Records as well. And Paul, that's going to bring us right into September. All right. Let's get into there. Let's do it. All right. We're, we're, it's running a little long. So September 5th, David Crosby uh, makes some headlines by saying that uh, Jack White has never really written a, quote, really fine song. Yep. He's speaking to Stereo Gum. David Crosby explained his love for social media, saying, I love talking to people. I like Facebook and Instagram, too, but I function best on Twitter because I'm a words guy. I like communicating with people. It's fun for me. I don't answer questions if they're too dumb. There's a lot of things to say about this. He sounds like just the oldest man. Yeah. Just just ancient. He's got old man on the internet-itis. It's fine to be judgmental in the privacy of your own home, I suppose. But in a public forum like that, it tends to really paint you with a uh, pretty narrow brush. Yes. Especially if he's a words guy, Twitter is not your thing. That's... That, that, that's actually the opposite. Twitter is very few words that you could use on there. They have a built-in limit on that. Anyway, moving on. It's just, it's, um, it's, it's, it's easy to talk down about something you don't understand. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. From that weird, weird uh, headline note, uh, we move on to September 15th. Brendan Benson officially releases Half a Boy and Half a Man single that's right. uh, digitally. He announced the single a few days before this and also announced that Third Man Records is going to be releasing the single as a 7-inch vinyl record in the coming months, Hmm. uh, which they have yet to do. So Third Man Records is going to get in on this. And I think the catalyst for Third Man getting in on this is because apparently Brendan doesn't have a studio anymore. He says that his his studio in Nashville, which was a historic building, uh, was demolished about a year ago. He put everything in storage and set up a small rig in his basement, and that's where he finished the record. He says it's a bare-bones operation, but he loves it. Oh, uh, and he do- he said that he does plan on touring again. <laughs> Love you, Brendan. It's, it's good. It's got all the telltale Brendan signs. Yeah. We like what Brendan yeah. does. I just feel like he hasn't written a really fine song. <laughs> Moving on, we go to September 24th. 
I, yeah, I think David um, Crosby could use a warmer heart. Old hands, warm heart. Uh, anyway, moving on, we go to September 24th when the uh, the Detroit Tigers team up with Third Man Records to offer an exclusive ticket package, uh, including a ticket to see the, the Detroit Tigers face off against the Minnesota Twins. Each of these packages came with a limited edition vinyl record, a double A-side, seven-inch vinyl pressed at Third Man Pressing in Detroit and featured uh, the Tigers colors of blue and orange in the vinyl. It includes a Dominic Davis-produced song, Strikeout, by The Brush-Offs, which consists of uh, Brendan Benson, Ben Blackwell, Dominic Davis, and Olivia Jean, all on one side. You know, uh, I, I've f- been dying to find this thing. It's That's a really cool combo of people. Some of my yeah, favorites. It, it's got Brendan, it's got Do- I mean, I like all of them. It's a Dirt Bell Buzz... Dirt it's Bell a, Buzz... It's a, it's a Dirt North, Bell Buzz Rack. Northern, well-fed... Guys, let's just assume. James, can you insert a joke in there in post, please? The name of a fish. Is it Mary? (laughs) Ha ha! That's an old fish. She isn't what she drinks like one. Yeah, Yeah. uh, I can definitely do that. Is it Sturgeon? Hey, you're crazy. Sturgeon, he's a doctor. Cuts you open when you're sick. Now I give you one more chance. I got it. Haddock. That's a funny. I got a haddock too. What do you take for a haddock? Well, now sometimes I take aspirin or sometimes I take a calomel. Um, James, you sounded an awful lot like Rodney Dangerfield just now, but it, I, did, I also I loved it. I loved and it. And Paul, you know, I feel like I get no respect. Swish. The flip side features Jack White interviewing uh, 1984 World Series champion Kirk Gibson, and the record sleeve uh, photos were were taken by Tigers pitcher Daniel Norris. It was only available through that ticket package. And uh, each sale will be donated to the Kirk Gibson Foundation and the Detroit Tigers Foundation, uh, which are affiliates of the Illich Charities, which we will get into momentarily uh, in, in a couple months. Their name comes up again, which is uh, interesting. Cool. From there on, we go to uh, September 26th. Father John Misty plays live at Third Man Records. Another person whom David Crosby has said he's not quite sure about on Twitter. <laughs> he hasn't made up his mind, I believe, is the, oh, okay. is the tweet. Josh Tillman, a.k.a. Father John Misty, sold out a, bu- a few uh, shows at the Ryman and played a show, a free lunch hour B show, at the uh, the Nashville Blue Room at uh, Third Man Records. Not really my cup of tea, but I did watch some segments of this, and he was very funny vamping on the stage. So I uh, I hold out uh, judgment. You know, one day one day he'll write a really fine song. <laughs> James, I don't think you've written a really fine song yet. I don't think any of us have really written a fine song. I think there's one person that comes to mind who may have. And it's Neil, Neil Young. Young. Did Neil. we say Neil Young at the same time? We did, yeah. We're sometimes, you know, sometimes, James, we find ourselves on a wavelength. And from there, we move to uh, September 29th. And, Paul, I think I'm going to need a little help to talk about this, uh, right. this next thing. Uh, should we kick it to our third person this week? Yeah, let's do it. So we'd like to welcome our third person this week, Yvette Wilkins. How's it going, Yvette? Hey, it's, hi. Pretty it's, good. <laughs> Yvette, you're here. It's good to finally have you on the show. I think, Yvette, you set a new world record for being on the show with the most technical issues we've ever had. Not that you caused, but that just happened. Uh, This is definitely a record for us, I think. Blame it on the fires in California. That's what it is. Yes. Blame it on natural disasters. Always. We thank you very much for joining us this evening, and we're here to talk about some cool stuff that happened in 2017. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
here. Which we've heard you were a party to a few of these things. Specifically, we wanted to talk to you about the show in the Cumberland Caverns in McMinnville, Tennessee, I believe it is. Uh-huh. We heard tell that you were at this show, thanks to one Cali Durga. Yvette, we met you through the Jack White fan community, and you've been a, a supporter of the show for a long time, so thank you for doing that. And uh, how long have you been a uh, Jack White slash White Stripes fan, and what got you in? Since 2004, I had a friend who his cousin was happening to visit us in Montana to get his acoustic custom guitar at the Gibson factory in Bozeman, Montana. And he happened to have all these pretty awesome CDs and we were listening to them and the White Stripes were on those. And I was, I started listening to them and that was it pretty much. So yeah, nice. a little while ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think we all joined then around the same time. I think James and I joined up. Uh, it's like it's like joining up for the army or whatever. Uh, yeah, seven nations or the or the or some weird cult. <laughs> but James and I joined up around that elephant era. So that's that's awesome. And yeah, that's obviously a magical era to get into the Jack stuff because it was permeating the culture at that time. Definitely. Did you follow Jack into the Rack and Tours Dead Weather realm as well? I did. I lived in Montana, so it was kind of. Uh, for the live shows, I did not have a lot of opportunities. It wasn't until they started the vault with Mod Life, and then they announced a show in Billings, Montana, with a dead weather, uh-huh. that I actually got to see him live because I actually was going to see Jack with Meg in the White Stripes in Salt Lake City during the Icky Thump tour, which got canceled mm-hmm. just a few uh-huh. weeks before I was going to see them. So. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. But I've been following, I was following him steadily since 2004. Yep. Everything he did. Nice. And the vault and all that stuff really was an amazing addition to an experience that I never thought I was going to have, pretty much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. It helps sustain the fandom and, and mm-hmm. um, gives us something new to, to listen to, even when there's not a new album release. And speaking of which, 2017, which we're talking about on the show today, didn't have an album release. And yet there was so much that went on in the Jack White world. That's right. You were at the Cumberland Caverns show in McMinnville, Tennessee, for the 333 feet down show. I don't know exactly what it's called. <laughs> That's what I think yeah. it was called. 330 feet underground. 330 feet underground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of serendipitous, but yeah, it was a really amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot of different third man guests there, such as Margot Price, which me and Paul are uh, a little obsessed with. Lily May, <laughs> uh, again, a little obsessed with. Joshua Headley, who is uh, his, his name pops up a lot in third man circles and the Craig Brown band who uh, was a recent addition to the third man records stable and all of it hosted by Mr. Jack White himself who was there for a rare public appearance this year specifically it's rare this year how did you go about getting tickets because this was like a snapchat only thing from what I recall yeah I kind of got a little lucky and I guess this can kind of play into when you become part of this Jack White world and you line up for concerts early in the morning or really early in the morning for something you become friends with people who are in the line as well and then little by little as things go on you keep becoming friends and you spend more time with them and you actually become friends not just you know hanging out just on a line and that's kind of how I got tickets because the whenever those 
that Snapchat stuff came out, I was at work. I could not get on and check it out and whatever, try to enter my, you know, they were whatever they were asking for. I just never could do it. But so I, I kind of gave up. I thought, oh, man, I wanted to go really badly. Um, but I just couldn't get the tickets. And then a couple of days before um, the concert happened, one of my friends who is part of, I met her actually in Pomona, California in 19... I mean, 2014, um, at the beginning of the Lazaretto tour, we just happened to be at the beginning of the line and we became friends from there and uh, shared some other concert experiences. And anyway, she just called me up and said, Hey, I have an extra ticket. Do you want to come? I'm like, um, yeah, I am off on Friday. I am, I'm there. I'm going, I'm coming down from Ohio. So I just, I got up and drove down to Chattanooga, (laughs) never been there before. And I was ready. So that's how I got tickets. She got the tickets from the Snapchat thing with the Tennessee Tourism. I happened to ride along because they got enough, and she asked me. So that was pretty awesome. That's amazing. So this show took place underground. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like actually getting into this venue and what, what the mood was like there, the uh, ambiance? It seems like it's one of these, like, you know, Jack does these spectacle-type shows every once and again. So uh, can you give us a little first-hand experience of what it was like there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will agree with what you say about Jack's spectacle thing. And, you know, unfortunately, Tam's not here to um, Kelly Durga, <laughs> your other third woman. Um, technical difficulties. Um, but she would agree. Um, she was with, that was one of the cool things. Let me just go back a little bit before we actually get there. It's like, that's one of the things that's been amazing about the last few years being a fan of Jack White's and the music and the things that he's supportive of and that he pushes and he's involved with is that um, it's given us the opportunity, those of us who have been around the areas that where he's been you know, focused on, to actually get to know and become friends with people, not just like mm-hmm. we're just fans. You know, We actually become yeah. friends because we're able to spend time. And like I lived in Montana for many years, and I was completely far away from that. But I live in Ohio now, and I've been able to go to Nashville and Detroit. And so it's been pretty amazing. That's how I've gotten to know Kelly Durga. And... Um, So just that part, you know, meeting up in Chattanooga. And I know I, you know, from the people that were in Nashville, like, you know, there were these like, it's a party bus and kind of thing. And there were all these people that were super excited to get together in Nashville to meet together and come together into this experience. Um, And I know the Nashville buses had like a bunch of delays, but like, I don't think it mattered to them. They got their way after the Chattanooga bus got there, which is the one I was in but they had so much fun together just getting there, you know? So that was pretty cool. Anyway, so you get into this parking lot and they let you go and we just kind of ran because that's what we're used to doing, just running, (laughs) just keep running. And we didn't realize after a while, we're just standing there by ourselves. It was Callie and a few other people and nobody. And we're like, why are we here by ourselves? And then we heard, well, the Nashville bus has got delayed, but I'm like, where are the, the people in our bus? And we didn't realize that we were so excited that they just took it. We just ran and got to the front of the line and then they stopped the rest of the people from coming. I don't know what, if they realized that they didn't want anybody else to come, but so we were there right out the front by ourselves into the entrance of the cave and we waited a few minutes longer and they just let us in, which was really cool because there was nobody else there. And so we just like walked in and it's like, there's all these really cool lights and stalactites and, Stalagmites, I don't know. I'm not really great with geography, <laughs> but you know, really cool hanging rock features. And 
stuff going on um, all around you and then you just keep walking until you come down and then you look down into this cave and you see this chandelier hanging from the top of the cave and you're like, oh my God, it was so surreal. It was so beautiful. It was really cool. Yeah, that was a cool experience. Nice. That sounds like it. So they bust you into there and you went in. How did the concert go about? Like, did was there a backstage in the cave or was there a like secondary cave? Where did the bands actually like come out from? Or is it an actual set up like an actual like event theater i should say i'm trying to now that you asked me that question i'm not quite sure if they came out from behind or if they came out from behind us like if they came out from in front or behind because i think they're the actual backstage kind of thing was behind the stage and behind the crowd but i think they were kind of looming about in front of us i'm not quite sure the way it kind of happened was actually jack came out and introduced um the craig brown band Mm -hmm. himself and you know you kind of start hearing the buzz when he's kind of coming around you know and he gets up on the stage and the thing that was cool it's like you know the way this cavern is set up you know it's not like a regular stage it's like there's a stage and you have the area in front of it and then there's kind of this area to the, the right of it our right or the stage is left kind of going up a little and then the same thing on the other side kind of going up so it's a little bit of a bowl and so jack would introduce whoever was going to come and sing or you know and then he would go up and sit there up on to the left of us on a tiny pedestal (laughs) you know i i was pretty good about avoiding just staring at him because i tried i was like i don't want to just be like oh i'm here to see jack because i wasn't you know i mean i was but i wasn't i was like there to see the magic of this the musicians that he has you know put out there for us to enjoy and Mm -hmm. it was pretty amazing and you actually couldn't really see him like you you know it's like he kind of sat there in the shadows and then you just you know you just watched which was playing out in front of you so that was pretty awesome nice jack emerging from the shadows of course being very appropriate since i'm, un- I'm <laughs> to understand he was presented with a bat he he was presented actually it was um it was a shadow box of three bats <laughs> i think the tennessee oh, tourism you know they everybody catches on quickly to what the things that kind of represent him and it was three bats and it was it was actually really yeah, so they, cool they murdered three bats and shoved them in a Hopefully box they just them. found them lying on the side somewhere that's my hope but it was it was pretty cool oh nice that is awesome. I know Rob Jones made a really cool poster out of it, which goes through all the, the levels of the 333 feet where this, this venue was located, because, of course, it was 333 feet down. <laughs> Were you able to, to get one of those Rob Jones posters? I had no idea. You just totally blew my mind. I had no idea it was a Rob Jones poster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, they didn't give it to us there. It was kind of cool. You you know, there was a collaboration and stuff. So, And it was really nice because, you know, how... If you don't have the proper, you know, tools or equipment, getting a, a poster somewhere can be really hard to manage. Mm-hmm. Finagle, you know, when you're at a concert, it wasn't. We didn't get the, our posters until we walked off our bus at the end of the show, like at, at the end of the night, you know. So we got in the bus, went back to our point of, you know, destination where we got on the bus, and that's when they gave us the posters. And yeah, they're they're pretty rad. I didn't realize that they were Rob Jones. I know that the people that were kind of involved in the whole process with the um, Nashville or Tennessee tourism, they helped in the design of that. But that's pretty cool. You just gave me some new news. Uh, now, now I'm I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to re- like uh, figure out. I, I was pretty sure it was him, but now I'm 
I'm not positive. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Callie Durga could help us clarify that, but I have pictures of it. I can send you my pictures. <laughs> yeah, Callie, get on us about that. As James mentioned, there were a lot of really cool acts performing in this cave. Of all the different acts, Margot Price, Craig Brown Band, Lily May, which was your favorite? Do you have any highlight moments from the uh, from the various acts? Okay, I guess first, I mean, as I think about it, and it wasn't something that I thought about it when it happened, but... Actually, when I was sitting there watching them come on, it kind of started, you know, when you're watching a movie and you see like the flashbacks and the timeline where you see all the stuff that happened before kind of thing. It kind of like took me back to that. I was sitting there thinking, especially with the ex, because I had never I had never really listened or heard of. I mean, I had heard of him, but I had never listened to Joshua Headley. Mm -hmm. But the rest I all had a personal experience with, you know, obviously Lily Mae with both. Blunderbuss and then Lazaretto, I got to see a bunch of shows, especially with Lazaretto, yeah. where she was, you know, really involved in that. Obviously, she was the main fiddler and with Jack. And so I got to see that. And so I had that personal connection. And then um, being able to go to the actual store opening for um, Cass Corridor for Third Men Records, that's where kind of I, this kind of all started for me because at that um, event, Lily May played. And then um, Margot played. And at that point, I mean, I knew who Lily May was, but I didn't know, I re didn't really know anything about Margot Price. But she played at that, you know, at the opening of Cat's Corridor. And I just was like, I remember just standing there just being blown away. Like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Like, I just fell in love with yeah. how she sounded that, you know, I was excited the next month she came to Cincinnati and I was able to see her there open for Pokey Lafarge and then... You know, so I started following her, and then Craig Brown, I saw him um, at Record Store Day the next year, and it wasn't something like, like, Jack wasn't there. I think he was down at Nashville for that one, but he played with Bird Cloud and then Liquor Store, this band that he plays with from New Jersey, and I, he was really charming and engaging, and you could see this, like, he was a great guitarist, and so... Like, it stuck in my head. So, but, you know, you keep going on. I didn't think that much about it. And then I go back to Detroit the next September, and then all of a sudden he's playing with his own band and at Dally in the Alley yeah. in Detroit, which is an annual thing that happens there. So it's like I started feeling this connection with all these performers, and then I saw Lily May open for Pokey again in Indianapolis before this concert, and... When I saw her there, it was just amazing. Like, the difference between from when she was opening for Pokey to Lily Mae, you know, to playing at this concert, and all of them playing together, it was just this beautiful culmination of, like, these are people that, these are musicians that might not have ever been put out there for a lot of us to listen to, but because of the people in Jack's world and Jack White himself, you know, not just him, but that he listens to the different friends of his who I think um, Dave Buick was one of Craig Brown's champions mm -hmm. and stuff like, you know, you have all these people that are like, these are really great musicians. You got to listen to them. And, you know, yeah. mainstream music might not put them out there, but they're really good musicians. And they were really it was a beautiful night of music. And you could just see how they liked each other how they, you know, appreciated each other. And it was just, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Well, I think that's a lovely way to put it. You know, when we, uh, when we talk about the third man family, that phrase, it's, it does seem to ring true that they treat each other like a family. And it feels like one amongst the talent as well as amongst the fan base equally. So, so I think that's part of what 
I, at least I appreciate that, James. I think you know, not to speak for you. I think we both appreciate that about this particular fandom. It is is that. But the founder of the feast, Jack, at the show, did he seem in a good mood? Was he happy? Was he? How, how was? I mean, you've seen him a few times. How would you say our old boy was doing? He was. You could tell he was pretty pleased as, as he could be. He was really excited. You could tell, and it was. You know, it's infectious. Of course. I mean, the fact is, the reason pretty much all of us were there was were because he, you know, we're fans of his. You know, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, it's because I'm a Jack White fan that I, all of this has become into my realm. But you know, he got up there and like I think I think you know I'm, I'm, my mind is a little foggy from the details now, but I think he said something about I think I've hit rock bottom or something. <laughs> I'm at the lowest point I've ever been. I mean, it was just like stuff like that where you know like you know he can say it in a way that we're all going to laugh at because you know if I said it nobody everybody would be like okay that's really corny but it was really funny because literally mm-hmm. he was right. <laughs> you know we were pretty far down underground yeah. for him to say that and. Um, you know, that was really funny and it just lightened the mood. It, it got everything, you know, going and nobody was, you know, everybody was just ready for a really fun night of music. And, and then he would come up in between each, each act. And like, especially I think for me, um, where I really noticed him the most be really intimate and personal was with Lily Mae. Um, when, um, I don't know if it was before she got up or after, you know, it's like you could just really feel this camaraderie and like I'm a big brother. She's my little sister, my little, you know, that comes under um, under him. And he was just like he gives her this big hug and, you know, you could just see this love between them. And and then afterwards, he was just talking about her voice being like honey. And it was just really, (laughs) really sweet. Like, I love that. So the honey part, because I had seen her open for Pokey and she was great. Like, I enjoyed it. But it was just nothing like when she played there. Like, it had been a couple of months or, you know, a few months since I had seen her. I think it was in May. I can't remember exactly when. But from that point until this point where she was playing there, it's just like there was just like she had this more command of the stage and she was just open and free. And I've seen her a few times, even without Jack, and it just was a really lovely thing to see. And just the the camaraderie between them was just, I don't know, for some reason that just stuck with me more than any of the other I saw, you know, between them. But he, with everybody, he was just super excited. And then we got that surprise with Margot. We knew that there was some going to be some kind of surprise, but she ended up playing her whole new album, All American Made, just from start to finish, just for us. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. awesome. Yeah, that was the surprise of the night. And I mean, we had heard some of the songs here and there, and she had that EP, but this was, um, but not even those songs were all on, on there. She just played the whole album for hey, us. And that's fantastic. Yeah, that was pretty special. Of course, she sang, you know, Let's Go Back to Tennessee, and, you know, she had to sing that song. Yeah, yeah. That you took, got that it. Took, yeah, that took a lot of, um, you know, that got a lot of applause, but. I really appreciated, you know, it was really beautiful. I had never had that opportunity before to see somebody play a whole album before it was actually released, you know, so that was pretty cool. Wow, nice. Awesome. What better a note to leave on than that that magical moment. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Yvette. It's been a long time coming. You've been a, a part of the roster of, of our, our go-to fans for quite some time. Uh, I say fan very loosely. Uh, listeners. Yeah, uh, let's go with listeners. Listener. How about tolerator? Chief tolerator. Just say fans. It's good. Fans are good. I'm a fan. I will admit we're it. Too in, it's fun. We're a little insufferable to have fans. But, uh, but... 
we've been we've been meaning to have you on the show for a long time and we really appreciate you coming on and telling us a little about your experiences there in the fan community and at the show and I hope you keep listening and we'll hope to have you back on soon. Hey, I'm really excited and so thankful from for all the things you guys have done with this podcast. I mean, from the beginning till now, you know, I was interested in the beginning, but, you know, all the things you guys done from that point until now and that you keep doing is just been really exciting. And, you know, I don't I can't I don't have time to listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm, you know, really (laughs) glad that you guys keep coming up with interesting stuff because I've just been I've really enjoyed it. So it's been a lot of fun for us. So we thank you for all that you put into making this, you know, a really awesome experience for fans like us. So I'm thankful. Well, it's a labor of love. And it's uh, and thank you. I think the real brains of this operation is Kelly Durga, (laughs) who uh, helped put this interview together. So we want to thank Callie, and, and Callie was supposed to be here with us tonight, and, and she couldn't make it, but we are going to be talking to Callie again on a uh, on an upcoming episode. So Tam, Callie, you know, however you, want to, however you want to say the name, she is wonderful and has been so key in connecting us to fans like yourself, Yvette, uh, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we had connected through her Thinking Person Jack White group. So anyway, that's really cool, and, and we, we we just thank you guys for listening because uh, it, it, it helps push us to do more, yep. so thank you. And she will definitely add a lot of wisdom that you, yeah, she's amazing. I, I've been so appreciative of being a friend of hers in the last few years, so yeah, she's amazing. I will second what you say about her. <laughs> I will third it. All right. <laughs> thank you so much, Yvette, uh, and we will uh, talk to you later. All right. Have a good night. Merry Christmas. Let's get back to the show. Paul, that was great. Thank you, Yvette. Right from there, we move on to October of 2017. October. We're getting to the end of the year, Paul. Let's, All let's, right. Let's do this. Fall 34 is announced. The White Stripes Live in Detroit, 1999 to 2000 to 2001. Features mm-hmm. three separate shows. That's cool. We haven't gotten it yet, but we are about to. I got my tracking info today. Nice. October 6th, John Waters' spoken word album Make Trouble is made available at uh, Third Man Records. That's right. October 9th, Alex G. plays live at Third Man Records. October 11th, Bill Callahan plays live at Third Man Records. October 14th, Cassette Store Day is is happening, and Third Man Records finally gets in on it, uh, I guess, uh, and releases the first three White Stripes albums on cassette for the first time. Well, uh, for the first time in this country. Distill was released in Indonesia, but yeah. Go, okay. I mean, All right. the Indonesians have really been ahead of the curve they were really keeping the cassette alive, James, when, when we had forsook it. From right uh, from that weird, wacky instance of, of cassettes making your resurgence, which I still don't quite understand myself. I, I don't, and opted out of... <laughs> I think we've talked about this a little on the show. It's fine if people are into that. It's all good. I understand the irony that you and I are running out to buy outdated technology that predates cassettes. I understand that irony, but I also feel like the vinyl album gives you more to enjoy about the product, and part of buying physical media today is that enjoyment, because otherwise we could just all agree not to do it and just stream stream Vivo forever, you know? At the very least, it gives you bigger artwork. It is what it is. It's fine. If people yeah. love it, then that's great. I'm going to more power to them. Yeah, all right. Uh, 
Anyways, October 20th, Margot's new album, All American Made, is released. Great album. Yes, Margot Price releases her second album. It's very good. Uh, a little slower paced than her last one, but I think me and you both enjoyed it a lot. Uh, very politically charged, which her music can be from time to time, but it was good. I, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, Yeah, you know, one of these days I'd love to do an album analysis and review of like some of the other third man acts and get into this one a little bit more but i really like this album it was part of a great october for music and it it did feel a little more scattershot than the more cohesive sounding uh, midwest farmer's daughter but Mm -hmm. even still just track for track it's it's a pretty strong record i mean there's really strong tunes on it and when you compare it to Midwest Farmer's Daughter, just tr- just purely on a track-for-track basis, it, it holds up pretty well. Um, there's nothing that moved me quite like Hands of Time did on the first record, but All American Made, uh, uh, I mean, American Made is a beautiful song, and they got fol- funk on there, and the political references are, you know, tastefully done. And yeah. uh, pay, pay Gap is, is amazing, whether you're interested in her politics or not. shouldn't really be a political issue, the pay gap between men and women. That's just a human issue, but that's neither here nor there. Honey, I work so hard for my money, and I leave my babies at home. Breaking my back, trying to bring home a check, working my fingers to the bone. Overall, very very good album, and it came with a. It had an exclusive, James, for some of, for some record stores. They had that sky blue screen printed version. A really strong record from Margot, and she is on her press tour right now and just killing it out there. Keep going, Margot. We love you. We do. Keep going, Margot. From then, we move on to October 26th. The New York Night Train Haunted Hop Halloween Tour with Jonathan Tubin uh, happens at uh, Third Man Records' Cast Quarter. And uh, it, it featured some interesting guests, including Wolfman Band, which we discussed at length mm-hmm. this past Halloween. Also featured Kid Congo and the Pink Monkey Birds. Mm. Also featured Spencer Bewley. October 27th, Kid Congo and the Pink Monkey Birds live at Third Man Records' 7 Inches released. And very shortly after that, October 30th, is Third Man Records' Devil's Night, which also happened to coincide with their Italy Records 20th anniversary show. Very nice. Dave Buick was there, I'm sure, and kicking it. Yes, Third Man Records reissued the Henchman's Hench 4th album, which uh, features Jack White. And the, the new release included some bonus material, so that, that was pretty cool. I picked that up. It was awesome. The lineup for The Devil's Night featured the Keep On Trash DJs, the mm. Soledad Brothers, uh, which is Ooh. pretty cool, Rocket 455, and The Henchmen. Wow, that's awesome. A little mini uh, Detroit reunion there. Yeah, pretty good. It's pretty pretty cool night. It's basically the, the Sounds of Detroit album. Mm-hmm. Symp- sympathetic Sounds of Detroit, yeah. Yes. So let's roll on into November from there. November. Interview Magazine hosts an interview of Gary Oldman and Jack White in which uh, Gary Oldman interviews Jack White. And in this interview, Jack White reveals some new details about the album that he's teased earlier. Mm. Jack White had said, I've been recording in New York, Los Angeles, and Nashville. 
I've never recorded in New York or LA before. I tried to go to some new places and meet musicians I've never met before and see if I can get to a new place. I'm getting somewhere. It's good gardening music or roofing music or, you know, back alley stabbing music. I'm trying to think of some good activities that people haven't written songs for yet. As much as I love the title Boarding House Reach, I would have probably preferred it to just be called back alley stabbing music because that is the perfect summation of Jack White songs really and it's just strange enough to attract the right kind of person and just terrifying enough to scare (laughs) away undesirables you know with any luck he will have written a very fine song on it it's a good summation of what his music has turned into which i agree with and mean in a good way yeah so that was pretty neat from there november 3rd adult live at third man records album is available november 4th jack white and eleanor blake do a book signing in la which paul you were there for yes which we've talked about at length. A wonderful experience. The book signing was for the We're Going to Be Friends book. It's a children's book made out of the song I Think We're Going to Be Friends, which will be released later in the month. November 6th, Jack gives a keynote address at the Making Vinyl Conference, in which Mm -hmm. a friend of the show, Gilles LeBanc, was able to to ask him a question. Oh, that's cool. That's right. That's right. I remember Gilles said that. Yeah, that's that's very cool. We'd be happy to maybe open up to take some questions if... uh... As long as they're controversial. <laughs> this is Giles Brookstreet from Canada. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Hey, Jack, how's it going? Hello. I've, I've already said hi to Ben, so. Say you're Giles from Canada. I'm Giles from Canada. November 10th, Italy Records reissues are made available, the ones from the 20th anniversary show. They put out Rocket 455's Ain't Right Girl, backed with That's All You Get. The Dirties, It Ain't Easy, backed with Okay, uh, the hench, <laughs> the henchman, uh, henchforth, the fells, close your eyes, backed with never be your man, the Soledad brothers, sugar and spice, backed with Johnny's death letter, the greenhorns, stayed up last night, backed with shadow of grief and whirlwind heats, Glaxifusion. Whirlwind heat features David Swanson, the uh, photographer for a lot of white stripe stuff, a lot of Jack White stuff. Yeah, November eleventh. Jack and Eleanor Blake do book signing number two in New York City, the one that I should have gone to and didn't, but Callie Durga did, and uh, <laughs> so did Eileen Corsano and, and a lot of a lot of other fine folks. Rain, Rain Prosper was Rain there. Rain Prosper yeah. was there, yeah. November 11th, AJJ plays live at Third Man Records. November 17th, Muddy Waters. Electric Mud is reissued on Third Man Records. Uh, this is one of the chess records that is uh, released through Third Man and comes from the Universal Partnership with Jack. Ah, so yeah, there you go. Uh, it's a direct result of that. They got they were able to get their hands on some old Universal recording artists. November 21st, 2017, the book We're Going to Be Friends is officially released. As I had said before, it's based on the song We're Going to Be Friends by the White Stripes. It's the first book by Jack White, officially. The illustrator is Eleanor Blake, also known as April March. She was also an animator for The Ren and Stimpy Show, Pee-wee's Playhouse. John Krasinski does a review for the book, uh, saying he liked... He likes uh, the White Stripe and the book a lot. And, and she's a graduate of the CalArts Character Animation Program, uh, the very same program Susanna Roundtree, my lovely wife, is in at this moment. That's true. And it, the book came with a lot of really cool downloads, uh, mm-hmm. some of which included Eleanor Blake singing We're Gonna Be Friends, and there was a children's choir version, too. Yes, by the Wood Station Elementary School Singers. Let's play a snippet of that. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the 
So pretty cool stuff there. From then, we move on to Third Man Records has its annual turkey drive, the two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, which we got into during our Thanksgiving spectacular this past year. And then we get into Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. They have their own mini uh, record store day in which they released some some new stuff, some new limited edition stuff. U2's limited edition, the Blackout 12-inch single. Not the first time U2 has been involved with Third Man. Pretty cool. It's the first time I've seen their music released by Third Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Sun Records are reissued that day. Uh, Carl Perkins' Blue Suede Shoes backed with Honey Don't. Johnny Powers, With Your Love, With Your Kiss, back with Be Mine, All Mine. And Earl Peterson, Boogie Blues, back with In the Dark. Some Live at Third Man LPs are released. Uh, Pile, Live at Third Man, and Boris and Earth. Nice. And also Third Man teams up with Beats by Dre for a Black Friday spectacular uh, third man specific headphone which would come with a with a flexi disc and was advertised by Margot price quite uh, extensively yes you ever try and buy one of them things that's like three hundred dollars that's crazy i i wonder if they're capable of playing a really fine song <laughs> unless it's neil young <laughs> oddly enough the headphones work <laughs> perfectly then <laughs> and then we march right into december december 1st Nashville, uh, the art of Don Schull book release and exhibition and closing reception happens. December 9th, it's revealed that the former site of the gold dollar is sold to members of the Illich organization and is to be demolished. Uh, You'll remember the Illich organization from a couple months prior. They had charities. They do a lot of work with Detroit from the, uh, I got this from the Detroit News, uh, the bar and the neighboring buildings on the uh, 3100 block of Cass Avenue and the once gritty corridor are now destined to join the increasingly upscale area that that Illich organization is creating called the District Detroit. Yeah, it's called Soto Sopa. Yeah. This development plan involves overhauling more than 50 blocks of Detroit on the northern edge of downtown into dense upscale neighborhoods full of new residences and businesses. I'm reserving judgment right now, but... Uh, it's not odd to somebody who doesn't know or care. I, I, it would be nice if someone asked around for historic sites or if instead they would just include it as part of the thing they're fixing up. Yeah, I get that this place is a dump. I get it was a drag bar for decades and then later turned into a piss heap for rockers in the late 90s. But, you know, it means something to to a lot of people. You'd think someone would have pointed that out at some sort of town hall or something. So I, it, it does baffle me and make me a little angry. It reminds me of them just demolishing the Cavern Club in the early 70s. They wind up later just having to build a new one anyway, so why don't we just spare ourselves all of this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have to get some more insight into this, but that is that is a, a sad thing slash newsworthy thing that happened in uh, December. Uh, the next day, December 10th, the Holiday Bazaar in Nashville happens, which includes uh, Jack White at Third Man doing a special reading uh, and book signing for We're Gonna Be Friends, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of folks, including myself, uh, because I only thought it was going to be New York and L.A., it turns out he was going to do uh, all one in Nashville as well, which is pretty cool. Also, Mr. Steve, the music man, performs in the Blue Room. Directly afterwards, Jack White does the reading and signing in the Blue Room, uh, which did require a ticket, unlike the Mr. Steve, the music man performance. Uh, and directly afterwards, the Wood Station Elementary uh, performs on the patio. December 11th, the Wood Station Elementary singers, uh, as I had mentioned, who were uh, singers on the 
We're going to be Friends uh, 45, perform live at Barnes & Noble. December 12th, which, Paul, we recorded half of this last night, and today we learned, which is December 12th, we learned about servings and portions of my boarding house reach, which is bits and pieces of uh, Jack White's new album, and we got the title, which is Boarding House Reach. And it's great. It's weird. It's bizarre. I love it. I know some people are curious about what it all means, but, you know, Jack's music is, is a character unto itself and is on its own hero's journey. It has the virtue of really not repeating itself all that often in terms of style. There's an evolution there, and this seems to be building on what came before and adding new elements, and I would expect nothing less from the new record. So, yeah, that was a surprise. It was teased after we hung up the phone last night when we were recording, <laughs> yeah. and then we, we got it this morning, and then I mistakenly uh, signed up for an Amazon music subscription because I thought you could get a song streaming, and as it turns out, it's just a Vivo video on there streaming, and then I canceled that subscription because I felt betrayed and... I felt like no one with music on Amazon has really written a very fine song. So I just, I canceled it, but I was able, I, I listened to the thing a bunch of times today. Uh, James, I don't know about you. I love it. I, I can't wait. It, it starts with a very uh, weird hello. Hello. Yeah. And there's a lot of emphasis on hands and stuff in it. Uh, really, really cool, creepy, awesome. It's funny and it's it's creepy and it's wonderful. Hear me out, it ain't easy, but I'll try to explain. What is so funny about beasts above understanding? Yes, uh, I love it to pieces. Uh, some people are yeah. like, is this a song? This is bad. <laughs> Anywho, uh, that was exciting news today, December 12th. That being said, everything else I have on, on this list here is events that they have scheduled and have not actually happened yet. Uh, and there could be more stuff that happens. So December 17th, John Waters is to sign his uh, album at Third Man Records. So he'll be in Nashville. December 20th, they have Comedy in the Corridor, Holiday Edition. And then on the 21st, they have Light and Sound Machine presents Rancho Deluxe. Light and Sound Machine, we know, is their sort of festival, their film screening event that they host, which we talked about a lot on last year's episode, the the 2016 year in review. Yeah, it's a sardonic update of Western tropes written by literary enfant terrible Thomas McWayne. And narrated exclusively by David Crosby. Who, quite frankly, has never written a fine song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anywho, that's 2017. Uh, it's a year. It's been a year. Let's say we, we get to the end of this episode, Let's, Paul. Yeah. James, I learned so much. 
about 2017 today. It was a regular Learnapalooza. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot, and I want to thank once more our third women for this week, Callie Durga and Yvette Wilkins, for joining us. That was really, really cool. And hey, 2018 is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. We're not doing a Christmas episode this year, so we're going to ignore all the holiday wishes, but we're really just going to focus in on the Yule. We'll focus in on all the Yules, like the You'll Be Getting a New Jack White album. Ayo! You'll possibly get a tour, maybe, even though he said maybe not. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Not sounding likely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You'll definitely learn for sure next year. Yeah, yeah. In May, possibly. You know, there's lots of things we could look forward to in the future, but I think we should take a moment to look back and thank some of the fine folks out there who've been supporting us. So many fine folks, James. Many a folk who is fine. We'd like to give a shout out to some of our new listeners to the show, people who have been tweeting and liking us on Facebook and all these other things. So we'd like to thank new listeners to the show. We've got uh, people interacting with us on social media. We've got Mary Mans. Very, very excited for Mary listening Mm. to the show. Thank you, Mary. We've got Steve Lubbinge. Mm -hmm. Very thankful for Steve. We've got Chuck Pollock. Thank you, Chuck. Shazer McBrodel. Hell yeah. Very interested in that name. Aaron Hart. Uh, thank you, Aaron. And uh, we've got Kevin Hewitt and Robert Barbantini and Dale Beavers. Because <laughs> um, the animal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The animal. Uh, Ruth Galco. And we've got Michael Passman and Mark Deering, who happens to be the Mark Lansing and his Board of Water and Light, I, I guess, founder. Uh, I don't know if you remember that from the Jim Diamond interview, James. Jim was talking about his prior bands. One of them was Mark Lansing and his Board of Water and Light. Anyway, Mark Deming listened to our Jim Diamond show and, and commented on it, which was really, really cool. We've got Stacy McLeod. So, hey, lots of lots of great new listeners to the show. And yes, Jim, the Beta Sonics Master Shut-Ins Mega Rare OOP CD Indie 1992 is going for $40 on eBay. <laughs> So, And we may or may not have purchased one. And we'd also like to thank the people who are here day in, day out with us. We'd like to thank uh, the Bones of the Operation, Kate McCoy, Jeremy Riles, keeping us on the rails. My, oh me, it's me, oh my. We've got Eileen Corsano over there. I see you. Mm-hmm. We've got Andre Ice Cold Lyman, Callie Durga, our third person in spirit. Always the Red Red Rain Prosper, Adrian King, the Punk Rock Queen. Uh, we'd also have Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. Ha ha! It's LOL 2.0. Can't forget about Amy. Eric Andrew Dotson over there. We've got David Poe. Po 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 po. We've got S.A. Yep. Franco. What does that mean? What does that mean? We've got. Uh, uh, just remember Seinfeld? I yeah, no, like. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, that was uh, poor, that was more Dylan than anything. James, it was a popular show in the nineties. You remember that? You remember the nineties? Uh, I remember... Marty! Let's go back to the 90s, Marty! Or like every 20-year-old something wants to do now. Yes. Do you remember Back to the Future, James? I do. I love Back to the... Whatever you said. There we have... Sec- there was a sequel and a third one, too. We've got Yvette Wilkins on Sunshine. Unless- I've got James. Wait. Brennan Smith commented that he didn't like our nickname for him, which was by Brennan. So I was thinking a lot about it, and I came up with one. I was thinking a lot about it. I came up with one. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 
Brendan and 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 Smith, keep that going while I thank the next person. I like it. It's good. It's very long, but it's good. Brendan and 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 Smith. Brendan's about to react now. He's about to react with a with a an emoji of some variety, as Facebook would have us believe reactions are. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you to. Brian Walter <sighs> White. Are we doing that? Are we going with it? All right. I mean, we don't have to. No, right? we can. I mean, uh, I, the Walter White stripe. Is there? Is there anything there? <laughs> is there anything on that? You know what? Yeah. F- it. Yeah. Brian Walter the Walter White. Stri- <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I promise you, we'll come up with something good. Thank you, guys. You're all great. Us, not so much. Then we've got uh, social media. You can interact with us like those fine people did. Facebook.com slash Third Men, at Third Men Cast on Twitter, Tumblr, Third Men Podcast.tumblr.com. You've got the Third Men WordPress.com where we host the show. Send us an email, Third Men Podcast at gmail.com. You could go to Spreaker, that is the iHeartRadio page. We host the show in two places, but we host it there as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is S P R E A K E R. You can search the Third Men. You can find us on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please do that. And uh, hey, you know what? I'm Just tell a friend. If you've got a friend out there, because look, look, I'm going to level with you guys. This is a pretty niche podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are appealing to a very narrow group of people. So we really rely on you out there to say like, hey, I know you. You should listen to this. We need that. You know what I mean? Like we just, we need your help. Please help us. Yeah. Please help us help you. Let's get real for a second. Watch as we turn our hats backwards, our chairs backwards, and we sit on them yeah. awkwardly and tell you, please tell a friend. We could use it. We could use some help. Yeah. And we got some help from Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti who helped with the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Man, and from Susanna Roundtree who did the intro and outro of our program, which is very nice. Uh, yeah. Got a listener question you want to send that in? You could do that. Hey, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, hey. Hey, Paul. Happy New Year. It's going to be a great year. We've got a lot more cool stuff planned. Our next episode is going to be a lot of fun as well. We're going to do some more album analysis and reviews. Hint, hint. Yes. And we're going to cover some more White Stripes albums. So I'm really, really excited about that. And thanks to all of our special guests this year. Dominic Davis, Fats Kaplan, Jim Diamond, Ben Jenkins. Rob Jones, Bruce Brand. Paul Verhaeg. Um... The other one. The other <laughs> <laughs> all the listener guests we had on, Callie, and everyone who participated in our one-year anniversary. You're all great, and uh, we wish you a happy new year and happy Crimble from all of us. Thank you. Enjoy the new year. Hopefully 2018 will be a little more happy than this past year. But uh, we got a new Jack White album. So, hey, as always, Paul, I'll be looking for a home in a DeLorean that's on its way back yeah. to 19... 19- 35. Uh, let's just go with 35 because that seems like a year Jack White would like. And I will be looking for a home next year uh, in the neighbor's house I've broken into. <laughs> okay. okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> See you next year. Bye. <laughs> for more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time.
I feel like this venture we're on right here is going to crash our internet. Kona agrees. She thinks it's time for bed, and she was barking at her crate. <laughs> Very good. You heard it here, folks. All right. Kona's barking at her crate. All right, good night. And uh, after, you know, floundering for a good 20 minutes, he really did pick up some heat right at the end there before leaving the stage. <laughs> I don't know I if Chris... I'll include any of that. He's in a, he's in a cocoon, Paul. That's all I got. He's got some it. kind of insectoid man. He was named Honorary Dean of Mexico City's Fermata Music. I've never heard of any of them, but uh, there they are. Oh, James, you cynical <laughs> bastard. Um, like it was a cheap hooker in Vegas. I... <laughs> not keeping that the beer is certainly giving me some yeah. good metaphors yeah james that that dollar 24 cent hooker you picked up in vegas manic revolutions featuring revelations. the song riot in the streets yeah manic revelations did i say revelation didn't i say revelations? You said revolutions yeah uh and i'm sure that fellow <laughs> uh was named uh uh, David Crosby, um, <laughs> which also noted Dominic Davis hater, <laughs> to be a full-scale, two-scale Starship Enterprise. And it would James, be I don't, I don't know if you know. First of all, that's amazing. Second of all, they got as far as the bridge on the one that actually happened. <laughs> Third of all, I had plans to build this in our backyard uh, <laughs> when I was a young child. Uh, and I had gotten so far as dragging some of Dad's chicken wire out into the backyard <laughs> and forming it into a rough shape of a fuselage before I realized this is going to be really hard. <laughs> and maybe I should shelve this for a different time. Uh, we should probably stop at May because I'm getting really tired. Or I could start blazing. I'll just I'll blaze through June. You want to blaze? Let's blaze. Let's, Let's blaze, blaze a little bit. Let's, Let's blaze, blaze a little bit. Um, uh, 420 blaze it, I should say. Uh, pop, popular mechanics. Well, 620 blaze it, but sure. Oh, shit, you're right. That's April 20th. <laughs> I'm tired, and I've had a beer. Blaze it. How you doing, James? You hanging in there? I'm hanging in there, but words are getting blurry. Well, let's cut some of that out, but you, you get the point. This is going to be a long-ass episode. <laughs> <laughs>